0: Press two to change your personal options. Press four for more options. First, skipped message. Sent today at two oh one p.m.
1: from zero 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 one two
0: three four five six. Isn't it supposed to go beep? Oh, there you go. Hi, Chris. We're trying to call you. We are doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. How are you doing?
1: <laughs> Pleasure <laughs> to have you aboard, so
0: right? Yes. yes. Please come back to us. We miss you. We are drawing
2: pictures of you. We have scrapbooks. (laughs) This is going to be very interesting. It is indeed. You smell.
1: Bye. Bye. End of message.
0: Okay.
3: Hey, I guess I'm ready when you guys are.
0: Woo-hoo! Let's go for it!
3: All right, all right,
0: all right. I'll shut up for now.
3: All right, you just stay that way for three hours, and everything will go fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know. All
3: right. Welcome to the Square Waves FM podcast. Uh, of pleasure Sorry. as always. Woo! To see you guys. Maybe a little more enthusiastic this time around, and uh, let's uh, let you know why. So, uh, first off, uh, hi there, uh, Brian here, one of your uh, co-hosts, and uh, with me as always is
2: Little Runniger. <laughs>
3: it's not your real name.
2: I mean, I mean, Chris. I'm I'm Chris, and I'm happy to be co-hosting Square Waves once again this week with Brian. And this week we have a very, very special guest. Please introduce yourself.
0: Uh, hi, I'm Little Bo Peep. <laughs> Um, I have a furry tail and a long nose, and I usually hang out wooden areas. Now, I'm a I'm a trolls, uh, the Space Quest historian, and uh, I'm here to not talk about Space Quest for a change.
2: Wow, this has never happened before. Welcome, trolls! I'm so excited to have you on the show.
0: Yeah, thank, thank you, Welcome. thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Your show is awesome. Pleasure, pleasure. I, it, oh, it's thanks. now on record. It is awesome.
2: <laughs> well, thank you. Very
3: same to you, Trolls. You've got some uh, terrific podcast. I am an avid listener of both your Space Quest historian and your backseat designers podcast with Frederick Wilson. So uh
0: Yeah, shout out to Fred. Me too, I am shout a huge fan. hmm.
3: All right. And this concludes our, our episode of <laughs> Mutual Admiration Society. <laughs> so uh um, gentlemen.
0: <laughs> maybe we should do like the long greets you know the old demo scene intros where they just go greets to and then like a whole bunch of names you've never heard of.
3: oh like 45 names in a row i know it, yeah and, and then always text that, and, and then that's always all of our episodes isn't it oh yeah i suppose it is isn't it
0: <laughs> then, then, then at the end they always go future crew and razor 1911
3: always because <laughs> <laughs> everyone greets them that's right especially us i guess yeah. So uh before we get too much into our uh uh topic of the day we've got a little bit of housekeeping to take care of. Uh first of all, shout out as as usual and big thanks to Anatoly das Nostalgic, who uh replied with a great article about uh VGA screen re- resolutions. And so
2: Oh, awesome. I knew I knew if I kept screwing it up somebody would <laughs> write in and brutally correct me so what did Anatoly have to say about it yeah we were very...
0: the of the
2: Russians.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we were very provocative and so he, he uh, enthusiastically linked us to this uh, to this uh, site I shall put it in the show notes but um... In a nutshell, this was very interesting. I never had any idea this was the case. He verifies that 320 by 200 is the resolution of choice for the vast majority of DOS games. Um, ah, and even when Windows 95 came out, that was still the resolution of choice for a little while until 3D accelerators started coming into vogue. Um, wow. So this site confirms also that 320 by 200 is indeed a 16 by 10 aspect ratio, although monitors of the time were 4x3 aspect ratio and in some cases later on 5x4 with the 1280x1024 resolutions. And so um, the game designers would make a game in 320 by 200 however that would stretch vertically to 240 pixels to make sure that it was a 4 by 3 aspect ratio and wasn't letterboxed with black bars on the top and bottom so they would kind of take into account wow. the fact that it would be stretched and so a for example a sphere or a circle on a 4 by 3 monitor showing 320 by 200 resolution it would probably be perfectly spherical, but if you were to render that resolution on a 16 by 10 widescreen monitor, it would look kind of ovular because it's being stretched and not compensated for.
2: Wow, that's strange. So they actually, that's bizarre, so they coded the games to pre-compensate for the fact that they would be showing on the wrong um, aspect ratio?
3: Unless I'm misunderstanding it, and I'm sure that
2: if I am, then
0: we'll hear about it wholeheartedly.
2: I'm blown away. I had no idea. That's that's very, very cool.
0: I know, me too. I mean, I can... um, What's that? Sorry. I'm sorry. If you guys have missed our understanding, uh, Anatole is going to tweet you a grumpy cat. I'm sure.
3: Oh, no doubt. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, I, I remember back when I was playing a uh, uh, Toonstruck, uh, which uh, it does not run three twenty by two hundred. It runs uh, in SVGA six forty by yeah, that's uh, right uh, four eighty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the setup, by the way, that game was a bitch to get running. Um, but Boy, uh, the uh, the the video setup in particular was a, was a true bitch uh, because you could choose between six forty by four eighty or six forty by four hundred. And it would right. letterbox. And uh, and you know, the, the video would get all screwed up and black bars would appear and uh, that thing was that thing was fun.
2: That was the one with right?
0: the same way a colon, colonoscopy is fun.
2: <laughs> I I'm sad to say I wouldn't know, but but I was it was it a con- conventional memory issue or was it um, more just um, kind of video video mode
0: problems with tune just basically video problems. I mean, Burst Entertainment, wow. uh, uh, they, they had, you know, like uh, uh, huge SVGA backgrounds, and they had full-motion right. video running in interlease, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. the, uh, the, the, the video code was really uh, – I, I suppose they just wanted to, you know, show what they could do. They kind of stretched their, right. uh, you know, capabilities. So they had you pick between 640, uh, 640 by 480 or 640 by 400. Wow. Um, and, 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 and it just looked like ass in 640 by 400. As, <laughs> by the, by the yeah, way, well, just – just, just just, just, for uh, just for fun, has anyone ever tried running, like, the seventh guest in 320 by 200? Because you could. No. You can? I didn't even realize it had that mode available. Me neither. It, it looks like ass.
2: <laughs>
3: I'm oh sure. Oh, my God. So <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot bizarre. of full so... motion video and movement in that, so maybe while you're moving around the environments, it would look not too bad, but I'm sure that when you're standing still and watching an animated uh, person uh, that's act- acting out yeah. poorly, whatever it is that they're acting out, that would probably look real chunky.
0: They d- they did that early FMV games. Uh, you had that, you know, for low-end machines, the Seventh guest would run in 320 by 200. Under Killing Moon uh, would always run in SVGA, but you could you could set a mode that would let the FMV sequences play in 320 by right. 200, and it would actually, you know, screen change. So every once in a while, your, yeah. your screen would just spaz out, and, <laughs> and the fucking video would play.
3: Yeah, that's right. You could shoot yeah, you could kind of force that game to render in a variety of screen resolutions depending wow. on how powerful your machine was. That was a, yeah, that's awesome a weirdly technical game. That that game did, did a already... lot of interesting technical stuff between the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the the digital uh wave sampled uh drums versus the oh, yeah, general right. MIDI yeah. soundtrack and it was the a four C D ROM game that you would have to switch discs like all the time. Oh, that was a that was a really interesting technological achievement that one.
0: I love it. Yeah, it was. And did, did
2: either of you happen to play Star Wars Rebel Assault, the first, oh, uh, yeah. the first Rebel Assault?
3: I think that was the cd CD-ROM game I ever bought.
2: I'm,
0: yeah, I'm just going to yeah, uh, drop a, a huge F-bomb here. Fuck Rebel yep, Assault. <laughs> 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 fucking piece of shit. Well, that's what the whole um, of the CD is for. Yeah, I mean, seriously, that game was. Uh, uh, it, was it was impressive. I mean, the rolling demo, uh, I got like uh, I got one, one of the. Uh, um, there was this re-release uh, a company uh, called K-I-X-X, Kix. Yeah, uh, I remember that, Kix.
2: There's a European uh, uh, budget label. Oh, not
0: I. Right. And they uh, they released uh, – I have a, a Kix box of Space Force 1 VGA, which they put on a oh. CD. Um, and it had a bunch of demos from both Sierra and LucasArts, which was kind of interesting. Oh, that's, bizarre. that's
1: weird.
0: Yeah, uh, along with Dynamics and uh, uh, Betrayal of Crandor and, and shit like that. And they had a rolling demo of, uh, of uh, Rebel Assault. And I thought, wow, wow, full motion video. This looks fucking awesome. <laughs> and uh, and then, did. you know, a couple of years later, I get the actual game and I go, how the fuck does this play? I mean, this is, this is atrocious. Uh, anyway, okay, listen to. Am I going to
2: gonna, am I gonna come out as the only guy who actually liked Rebel Assault? No, you're not. We
0: we can, <laughs> no, uh,
3: we can both get into that closet together, I guess, because I like yeah. that game too.
0: Um I you, must you guys, admit, <laughs> you've 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 you probably already listened to uh, uh, Joe from the Upper Memory Block doing his Rebel Assault uh, episode. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, for, for anyone who hasn't, please check that out. It's it's uh, it's a very That's good episode. A fantastic and
2: episode, and and he talks about <laughs> the technical um the technical things that Rebel Assault gave, which was basically writing a really hot you know CD streaming um video driver to yes. send all of that data through the video buffer, which I really appreciate. Um,
1: yeah, but honestly,
2: I, mean, I can tell you sorry. right now, I shit my pants when I saw like there's this part where you see Darth Vader. It's like it's like Pre-recorded stuff of Darth Vader walking, and you see his chest come right up to the screen. And you see all the blinking lights. I'm like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. sold. This game is mm-hmm. worth my 75. <laughs> all
0: right, the uh, you know Rebel Assault, the the uh, video engine that Vince Lee wrote, Insane, uh, which is an acronym, yeah. uh is is uh, amazing. And and the stuff that uh, that Joe talks about, where uh, you know once you're going down the path and the uh, um you know the fighter thing and and the, the right. video the video background will actually switch to another video seamlessly exactly is, yeah, is it has amazing the forking. yeah the the forking thing but the game itself can bite my nuts. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm super
3: romantic about FMV kind of stuff, and particularly <laughs> FMV where it has where they've kind of superimposed interactive elements on top of the video, so that you either have to yes. position your your uh, animated character on top of that hotspot or whatever. Like, I, oh, that, I'm, I'm super romantic about that stuff, All right. even though it's awful.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, my 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 last word on this. I mean, the uh, the insane engine made a uh, a comeback in full throttle. Tim Schafer's full throttle. That's right. Um, and uh, you know, people always lampass that game for uh, for you know the uh, um, FMV uh, uh, fighting sequence, you know, the old mine road where you have to beat right, people right, with chainsaws right. and shit. I actually thought that was pretty fun. Um, yeah. So so that that was an example of the insane engine doing what it was supposed to do, making well, fe- a game I found fun. that
3: frustrating. Funny that you and I are on the opposite ends of the spectrum on that. I found that really frustrating. Actually, but- I- you,
0: yeah, you found that frustrating. That because- and not Rebel Assault. Come on. We were both frustrated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had less Brent,
2: for, for The part of the reason I think. Um, people have a lot of frustration with that one sequence. in, and, and I could be completely off here, but I've heard it from several people. If you play um, full throttle in Scum DM, I actually think Scum DM's got some timing issues with the um, uh, motorcycle scene because if you're driving through the highway, so, sometimes you wait 16 times before the chick shows up so you can throw dirt in her face or whatever you throw in her face. Oh, yeah, they flowers. actually
3: just fixed that in a, in a recent patch. They, they did twice. fix it.
2: It's, it's fertilizer. Oh, <laughs> yeah, fertilizer. That's what it was. Yeah, and I remember it's playing on the to... DOS version. The DOS version was so much easier. You can burn through that sequence in under five minutes. Yeah,
3: right. that's right. No, that was some bug where she was supposed to spawn the second or third time, and instead it was at random and waited forever. Uh, yeah. They okay. Yes, that's that and they funny. Fixed that
2: at long last. Oh, nice. That's fantastic. Okay, so we should probably now that we've um, ripped <laughs> apart Anatoly's entire message. Um, we should probably um, listen to Joe's voicemail. Joe Mastriani of the UMB podcast has re- replied to us with another fantastic uh, set of stories.
3: Yes, yes, let's go into that. Oh, and I think I'm going to elect you from now on, Chris, to be the official pronouncer of his last name. I was kind of <laughs> tying my tongue in knots. I don't know if I'm just not sufficiently Italian or if I should have been like gesturing wildly with my hands while saying that last name. So you did a much better job than I. So let's uh let's leave it to Joe now and uh hear what he's got to say. Hey guys, Joe
4: here again with yet another voicemail. These are turning pretty uh pretty regular it seems. But uh again you're you're totally talking about uh my my early teenage years here with all this BBS stuff, so uh door games. Yeah, I was pretty big into door games, played most of, uh, of the games you talked about, Lord, Trade Wars, uh, and Usurper, and uh, all to, to a different degree, I think I probably played Trade Wars the most, uh, two of my friends and I had a, a nice three-man corporation, you know, we had a planet with a fully upgraded Citadel, Imperial Starships, Interdictor Cruisers, all that kind of stuff tons of fun in that game, uh, probably just because I'm a big fan of, uh, of space games in general. But, uh, the one I wanted to really talk to you about was, uh, we played a game which I believe was a mod of Solar Realms Elite called, uh, Solar Trek Realms, which was actually a Star Trek modified version of, uh, of Solar Realms, where, uh, you know, you had, like, uh, space stations for defense and fighters for attack. Well... I think your fighters were called, like, starships, and your defense guys were called Klingons. Like, it was basically exactly the same game, but with a Star Trek uh, skin on it, shall we say. And um, it was tons of fun, and basically what we do is, you know, uh, the three of us that were in the same corporation on uh, on Trade Wars, we were kind of like on this team together, like we had empires in, uh, in, in Solar Realms, and we were kind of like this unofficial coalition. And then there were these other two guys that were in our, our class in, in early high school, and they were kind of on their own little team. So we'd kind of like team our, our, our little bands against each other. And uh, we would, on Fridays, go back uh, to one of our friends' house, Dave. We'd go to his house after after school, and because uh, he lived closest to the school. And we'd log in, and one of the other guys, Paul, who was kind of on the quote-unquote other team, him and his buddy would go back to his house. And Dave and Paul lived very close to each other. And so the two groups of us, at least on Fridays, would race back to uh, to our team's respective houses, our little bases, if you will. And uh, whoever got there first would, uh, would get to log into the BBS first, because it only had one line. And were able to kind of get the first uh, first round of attacks in on uh, on the other people's empires. So it was always a race of you know again early high school. So whose mom drove us home fastest, and who could run to the computer fastest, dial in and log into the BBS first, so that we could uh, we could have first strike capabilities. So that was kind of like this this little thing we did every Friday of who would get home first, who would fight first, and. Uh, it was, it was really, really cool. So, I mean, you talk about local. I literally, it wasn't just a local Montreal BBS. I literally played these games with got people that I saw every day. So, you know, we'd get to school the next Monday, and we'd talk about it. And then, you know, if if someone said something in class to piss off someone else, and, you know, one of the guys on the other side had a bigger empire, he would attack me because I said something to make fun of him in class. And really fun. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my little story about uh, Solar Trek realms. So, uh, again, gentlemen, keep it up. Great podcast. Looking forward to hearing uh, what Trolls has to say about tracker music. And, uh, yeah, keep it up. Bye-bye.
0: Did did, did he just say uh, trade whores? That's some Pete Tolman shit right there. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a plug-in. <laughs>
3: yeah, that'll be the next pre-Epic Mountain game, I guess,
0: huh? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, all uh, oh, right. the douche, The douchebaggery on 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 display here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you <laughs> off. Um, the uh, the douchebaggery of racing to the computer just just so you so you can attack first. I had friends like that in high school. They're not my friends anymore.
2: I love it. I I wish I I wish I had friends in high school that would have done that. I mean, uh, thank uh, thank you, Joe, for that was such an awesome story. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can I can. I didn't grow up with any kids in my school who actually um, did any dial-ups. I came from a very, very small farming community. So um, I wish I could have had that kind of experience. What about you guys?
3: Um, well, first off, what I appreciate about this story is that I can totally, uh, I can totally hear this story being told in the context of one of those grandfatherly. When I was your age, we walked twenty miles in our snowshoes <laughs> to get to the grocery store, kind of a thing. So I appreciate it very much on that uh, geriatric level. There, um, I I had a few high school friends who were into BBSing, elementary school friends as well, uh, who who uh, went on oh, to high wow. school with me. Um, although I guess by the time I was in high school I got more into the music side of things uh, and not quite calling those uh, so-called PD, public domain boards, right. quite so much by that period. And so that's kind of more where my friends had gravitated to and the kinds of BBSs that some of them were hosting themselves. And so uh, we didn't have any uh, <laughs> clobber a trying to uh, race <laughs> to get to the log on to one BBS. That's
0: funny. What about you, Trolls? Um, I... I, you know, uh, uh, BBSing and stuff, that was uh, kind of. Uh, we're going to get into this uh, more later on, but that was not really um, my thing. But when uh, the internet, the World Wide Web kind of thing, you know, uh, early Netscape and stuff hit, uh, I was in high school in about, I suppose, 1996, 97. And uh, right. a couple of my friends were playing a game. Online that I wish I could remember the name of. It was one of those, uh, you know, uh, uh, strategy games where you, you know, build a citadel and then you attack people and, and, and shit. Uh, and it was all HTML. Uh, oh really? Wow. Fuck, What the and hell? Ninety six,
3: ninety seven. That's, uh, yeah. that's pretty. That's pretty sweet. That's very early. Yeah. It was
0: it was a browser game, and I was looking at that, going, "Holy shit!" Uh, but they would they would do exactly the same thing. I wasn't playing it because I suck at strategy games. I was just watching them go to the computer lab. Uh, at at my high school, they had one computer that could log onto the internet. The rest of them were just on a fucking LAN. Um, but so so they would all pile around the the one internet computer, and they would uh, go in and and uh, you know take turns. And the, the guy who sat in the chair first was inevitably the guy who came out winning because <laughs> you know because. You know, he was, yeah, and, and then, then they would, uh, you know, take turns, and then they would go back to class, and then they would, uh, you know, spend the entire class just bitching and arguing about who fucked who over. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was interesting.
3: That's great. That's you know, fantastic. That actually reminds me of uh, a horrible memory of high school, horrible in the nerdliest way possible, of course. Um,
0: Are there non-horrible high school stories? Oh, that's yeah. a good
3: point, I guess. Okay, so let's just call it an average high school story, then, um, <laughs> where my high school, it uh, was rumored was like either i don't know if it was the worst funded or just the last to gain funding for stuff like computer labs and so okay our computer lab was a room with i think like 30 windows 95 pcs maybe it was windows 3.1 i don't remember now it was windows right. 95 pcs they were all connected to a single 56k modem so, oh wow <laughs> and so 30 that's that was, I, I, what was the speed of the 56K modem again? Like eight or nine kilobytes a second shared between 30 computers. It was,
0: I think, I think the word you're looking for is chuggy.
2: There you go. Chug. The, we,
3: we had many a chug.
2: Oh, <laughs> that's great. I that love nice it. Friend. I, my experience in high school was, um, you, you guys, th- th- this is a little, we're getting a little bit away from uh, Joe's story, but it just triggered a high school memory, a very average high school memory. Um. We had the same thing. We, had, we were connected to a lame, you know, 33-6 line, I think. There wasn't even 56K when I was in grade 10. And um, what happened was our school decided th- – this is going to make me sound terrible, by the way – but our school decided that they were going to partner up with a neighboring school division, which happened to be a Christian Catholic school uh, division, which included, you know, like 20 or 30 schools within that division – And they wanted to basically share um, data across both of our networks in the form of something like an Internet news group. They weren't really a news group. It was called the – I think it was called the K-12 net or something. But basically the idea was they wanted students to interact with each other across um, different parts of the province, different parts of the country. So they built this network kind of like FidoNet where you would transfer information across. Now, this is where it relates to Joe's story. We all had individual logins, so we, we could post messages on this, these message groups. Um, and our teacher told us, you know, be careful. You're posting stuff to people across the country. Be polite. You know, he's trying to teach us the basics of uh, what would later become, you know, internet, um, uh, what's the word? Um, etiquette. Polite... Yeah, exactly, etiquette. etiquette. So <laughs> we, we did like Joe, Joe's friends did, which is troll the shit out of each other um, mm-hmm. by... Logging in, we we'd wait till somebody has gone to the bathroom during computer class, and then we jump on the computer and start posting messages as them on this Canada-wide school net. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Good way to establish someone's <laughs>
2: reputation. Exactly. So we posted all these horrible messages, and they were bad. They were, I mean, they were. We were, we were basically, you know, like in in a very conservative town, all grew up atheistic, and we're posting these like kind of religious flame war messages on these boards, which was horrible (laughs) because there are these Catholic school boards. And the final outcome was about a week into this, I mean, it was getting really out of control at some point. I won't even mention the kind of stuff we were saying. At some point, the teacher called all of us into his office and said, look, I just got a call from the, you know, I was a the neighboring town, and they don't appreciate you swearing on their Catholic school board system. <laughs> and we got that. banned. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, we got banned. And so fast forward, you know, 25 years later, we people had forgotten about this. And I don't know what possessed me, but I found out Google Groups actually stored this stuff as part of a Usenet collection and I swear to God, I found the exact messages we posted, which Holy have been archived shit. on Google. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: that is spectacular. What a great service yeah. for mankind Google is. Thank you, Google, for yeah, I think this you important for, stuff.
2: For storing our uh, adolescent, adolescent <laughs> ribbing. It was pretty pretty awful. <laughs> the ribs live. In. Uh,
0: I can actually beat this story, and the only wow. reason I can beat it is because I did not get caught. Um, <laughs> uh, and this is equally horrible. Uh, well, not not entirely. No, no, no. Because, uh, you know, uh, Denmark's a pretty secular uh, country, so we weren't actually pissing off religious ah. people. I wish. Um, but uh, in, in our computer lab uh, at uh, at high school in 96, 97, uh, probably 97, um, are you guys familiar with this little, um, I, w- I wouldn't, wouldn't call it a hacker tool, I'll just call it, you know, a, a, a being a dick tool called uh, Back Orifice. Oh, which yeah. Oh, a, yeah,
2: BO, for sure. Oh, yeah. Full of, exploits, um,
0: sure. of course. You know, uh, we, we were a group of, you know, like four or five nerds uh, getting beat up in high school. And we would, of course, install this on the entire um, uh, computer lab, all the computers, um, <laughs> just just so we could fuck with people. And, and uh, recall that there was only one computer in the entire room that was actually connected to the Internet. The rest were just on a token ring uh LAN. Um, so, uh, of course, we would sit around and uh, you know, make the CD eject and uh, you know, turn the computer off when they weren't expecting it to. And uh, <laughs> when, whenever someone came into the room and sat down to write an email – we would sit, you know, across the room on a different computer and just, you know, try not to laugh too loud, because uh, they would, you know, log into Hotmail, which was a big thing back then, right. and start and start writing, and they would get all the way up to sincerely yours, and we would just mark the entire thing and press delete, and just go fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wicked. laughs> and we got, we got That's to horrible. The point. Oh, it was so, it was so fantastic. We got to the point where there was this girl that we didn't know, you know, blonde hair, uh, uh, sitting down writing her what what appeared to be her first email ever, and uh, <laughs> and it got to the point where she was, okay. This is the first time I'm writing this email. I don't know what is going on.
2: <laughs> and we didn't uh, get caught. Beautiful, yeah. Uh, wait, congratulations. I uh, we we totally got caught big time. <laughs>
3: Oh, beautiful. Okay, well, I I can't let all this go uncontested. This is a much more Mickey Mouse of a story. But uh, this was, I guess, in grade nine or so, which is the first year of high school here in Toronto, in Ontario, I guess. Um, We had these computers that I haven't seen in any other context or any other place except for Ontario schools. And these computers were called Unisys Icon. Computers. oh right there are these crazy like plastic molded gigantic behemoths with a built-in track ball and like it was all just one cohesive piece of plastic as far as I can tell I got to see one of these and had extremely fun memories uh when I visited Sid Bolton's uh computer history museum in uh, Brentford Ontario I visited him a couple of times now um so anyway I was totally fascinated with these computers they use some kind of an operating system called QNX which I guess is right. some offshoot of unix i'm not entirely sure um and so as always uh, i was just fascinated and in love with the technology itself even if it wasn't doing anything particularly exciting and so A friend and I skipped our grade... No, you know what? Was this grade 9? This was probably grade 8, actually. This was a grade 8 class, and Uh, it's pretty well unheard of to skip a class in grade 8 because where are you going to go? We just went to our uh, library where we had a row of these Unisys Icon machines, and they had a chat program called Coco for some reason.
1: Oh, cool. He sat
3: on one side of the lab, and I sat on the other side of the lab, and we just had a little friendly conversation typing to each other, not unlike the conversation Trolls and I had (laughs) half an hour ago typing back and forth, but this was just across the room and I was just so fascinated and enamored by this technology that's awesome. uh, that we didn't even see the our teacher approaching us from behind and uh, getting oh. us in heat big yeah. trouble for skipping her class <laughs> I, I, will, I think uh, that's uh, pretty I'll, adorable that's what a good two shoes was
0: <laughs> I will say uh, the the whole fascination with chat thing I can totally relate to that I can immensely relate to that because when I was sitting around with my old uh, uh, 386 my dad's old 386 um um, you know, uh, playing uh, you know with a serial cable with my friend on the weekend and such. I, I was wishing that there was something out there where I could chat to people. Uh, unfortunately, oh, yeah. uh, calling, calling up BBSs in Denmark was not really applicable to me because one, I was too young to really figure out right. how to do it, and 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 two, uh, you know. Even calling locally in Denmark was kind of expensive, so I, I never got into the whole BBS scene. That's, that's why I'm excited to be on your podcast, by the way, because all, all this talk about old BBSs and stuff really gets me in the feels, you know, because I, I didn't get any the internet until, until the World Wide Web was a thing. Anyway, right. um, Fantastic. Um, the uh, uh, point I was trying to make was um, um, back in the day, we had, you know, the uh, 386 uh, IBM PC and we had a Commodore 64, uh, the Commodore 64 was a very, very big thing in uh, Scandinavia, obviously. That that thing is probably more popular in uh, Scandinavia and Europe than it was in the U.S. or Canada. Am I correct? It um, was pretty
2: popular uh, here as well. Yeah. It was. It, 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 was, was po- it was popular, but I don't know if it became as much of a, what's the word, um, music creation and art creation tool as it did in Europe. I think it was more just seen as a game system here.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, it might have because I, I was a kid, so you uh, you know I had a bunch of games for it, and I would sit there and watch you know demo intros and and hacker intros and shit, and uh, right. and, and go oh, I wish I could do that, but I can't. Mm. Uh, anyway, the uh, the story, and it's a very brief story, was that my dad was uh, fooling around with uh, an old 2600, bought bought modem, and uh, he actually, and I'm not sure how the fuck he did this, he got the IBM PC to uh, connect with the Commodore 64. And have wow. a very 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 brief chat session. Uh, the Commodore 64 would just you know lock up and refuse to do anything after after 30 seconds. But you could get like a message message or two in, and this was you know like within the house. Uh, so, so we weren't like calling people. Uh, it was just an, an internal line because my dad's an electrical engineer. So we had this huge fucking uh, phone. Uh, switch you know we had we had phones in every room and whenever someone would call the house it would just go from room to room going ding 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 and then you could pick up and switch to other rooms and stuff um so we got he got the ibm pc and the commodore 64 to chat for a very brief 30 seconds but we were like yay i didn't
3: even know that was possible boy that's
0: cool that's
2: fantastic awesome Okay, so shall we, we – you know, we, we, we've taken, yeah, half an hour to respond to voicemail. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Thank, thank, thank you, Joe.
2: Yes, thank you, Joe, and thank you so much, Anatoly. Um, how about we very, very, very briefly um, talk about what we've been playing. Uh, let's start with our guest. How? What have you been playing recently, Trolls?
0: What I've been playing? Well, um, uh, since uh, since Joe was going to do an episode on Grim Fandango in, in the coming weeks – um, i I actually figured i was gonna I, I was gonna play grim fandango the remastered version last night uh but I ended up uh, firing up impulse tracker and doing something horrible with it uh for, awesome. for your for your show uh so i didn't i didn't play grim fandango but uh for the past uh, couple of weeks i've been playing this uh, uh german game called the inner world which oh is, yes which familiar. Is,
3: an adventure game
0: it's it's an adventure game uh, what else would i play um yeah. <laughs> and it's 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 very cutesy, but in a very you know sardonic downtrodden kind of way, and it's it's right up my alley. You know the uh, the protagonist is this guy who's been ensconced in the uh, uh, head priest uh, his his tower, and then he he just sort of escapes, but not really escapes. He just kind of stumbles out a garbage chute and then uh, walks around uh, and thinks that the head priest is like uh, the bee and uh, be all end, end all. And everyone else hates him, of course. He's his, uh, the, the head priest is like this oppressive fucker who just, you know, bothers everyone. And he's he just kind of walk around with, like this little naive little imp and, uh, you know, uh, prod people, um, which is uh, brilliant. The art style is, is pretty brilliant. And, uh, and I really love it. And uh, the other uh, things I've been playing, uh, uh, I'm pretty much you no know, scum VM fair. I went on a, a GOG.com spree recently, so I picked up uh, Normality. Well done, well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, f- uh, oh, yeah. Um, I have this thing where I, uh, you know. Uh, because my wife uh, occasionally has trouble sleeping. So I tell her bedtime stories. <laughs> and oh. of course of course, I don't know any real bedtime stories. So I just recount uh, adventure game stories to her. As if they were <laughs> oh, bedtime awesome. stories. And uh, one of the uh, recent ones I did was uh, Fate of Atlantis. So, uh, Oh, and, cool. And <laughs> she actually sleepily went, oh, wait, I'd, I'd actually like to see that. So I downloaded Fate of Atlantis. And this was probably a month ago. She hasn't looked at it yet, but uh, she has no patience for adventure games. Uh, she's more of a Mario Brothers uh, type of girl. Um, but um, yeah, so um, I had a brief little run-in with Fate of Atlantis, and I really want to play that again. That's so anyway, awesome.
2: that's did you did, did you happen to play the uh, fists path, the I can't remember the the intellectual path or the team path?
0: There's uh, fists, wits, and uh, team. And yeah, I've right. i played that game so many times as a kid because um, uh, uh, back in the day I had a, a double-speed CD-ROM drive. And my, my first game was uh, Day of the Tentacle. We talked about this on, uh, on the Joe's uh, uh, group hangout thing for uh, the yeah. upper memory block. Uh, but I also got Fate of Atlantis, and it was recommended to have a four-speed CD drive for uh, Fate of Atlantis. Uh, right. But I played it on, on my uh, double-speed CD drive. And I played the hell out of that thing, even though it was choppy as fuck. Um, so I've, I've played every path um, through that game. And I love, I love the whole branching paths thing. Uh, I've gone on and on about this on many other occasions. But, uh, you know, the Pandora Directive and Fate of Atlantis and the Blade Runner game really stand out oh, in my yeah. memory as, as, you know, Amazing. fantastic piece. This is why we have adventure games. This is the logical uh, successor to the written medium. You know, you have a novel, that's a single story, and it's very, very good. But then you have adventure games where the plot can branch, and uh, that's that's the strength of adventure games.
2: Mm-hmm. I love it. I, um, T- my there. experience with, with State of Atlantis is actually quite funny. I didn't find out until about five years ago that the game even did branch. I'm such a predictable <laughs> frigging player that I would always play Team Path the entire way through, so I had no idea there were different solutions to the puzzles. I, know,
3: I thought it was pretty overt about the way that it asks you which no, way you want to no, go, no. or am I mistaken?
0: No, uh, uh, oh, Chris, I'm is sure. right. Chris is right. The The game does not uh, remotely even tell you that this is where the plot is going to branch. It ah. just goes, hey, what do you think we should do? Sophia just meets you in the office and go, what do you think we should do? Um, I'd rather think my way through this. And, and then the entire game just fucking changes on you.
2: Exactly. I, thought, I, I only so found brilliant. out, you know, really recently that you you had completely different ways of getting to the underground bunker. Um, one way you could jump off of the some fisherman's ship. I was always used to taking a submarine. I was that's like, how I did. It. That... What's that?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's the way that I did it too. I I don't know. I I seemed pretty aware that it was going to branch. That's Maybe funny. I had some kind of knowledge beforehand.
0: You're a fucking I, clever. I had right no now. idea. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but I, th- I thought that was uh, – it, it's so brilliant. Apparently, there's a key you can press in the game uh, where it flips the – where you can see your IQ points because uh, this is uh, the one LucasArts ah. game that gives you points and where you can also die, um, right. not counting the uh, uh, predecessor. Um, and it actually tells you what path you're on. But I i, oh, I, I, cool. didn't, know, I didn't know about that key. Uh, so I just <laughs> – oh. uh, I, th- I think I read a walkthrough at some point that, that said, OK, when you're in the office with Sophia – Please save your game, because you're going to want to. That's all right. Yeah. So, but right. I've beaten funny. that game a million times. Oh, that's fantastic. Cool. Mm-hmm. What about you, Brian? What have you been playing recently? All right.
3: So uh, the ones of note, I suppose. Oh, here's one that will definitely draw the ire once again of our esteemed guest. Um, I, <laughs> I picked up uh, the game The Manhole, which is by oh. Robin and Rand. Uh, shoot, Miller, is it?
2: Yeah, Robin yes. and Rand Miller.
3: Of uh, of uh, Cyan Games, who went on to make Mist, and so yes. this oh. is kind of like Mist, except it's a it's a children's game, and there's no win or lose conditions. All you do is kind of walk around and sometimes trigger a portal into a new area or something, and right. uh, interact with like fish and anthropomorphized animals, and uh, play with little toys and stuff, and. Um, I don't know how on earth they did this. It is a teeny tiny little game. I think it might have been 400 kilobytes or something. But That's It has right. multiple lines of speech and some music in it, and they really, like, they did an wow. amazing job of packing in a lot of value and multimedia splendor for such a teensy wincy little file. So Did you get the DOS sorry. version,
2: or is it the old Macintosh version?
3: Oh, it was the DOS version that I played. I also bought I gotcha. um, Manhole Masterpiece from GOG, which I didn't really like. Ah. It was kind of redone in Super VGA and... Uh, It it was the original that had captivated me so much. I remember the first time I played the manhole, actually, it was at a cousin's house in Vancouver. I don't think I ever talked to or visited them again, but the two of us clicked so well. We went and played computer games in his room the whole time our family visited, and he was the one who first showed me the manhole, um, uh, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego Deluxe, and he sent me home with a copy of Monkey Island 2. Wow. What a cool guy. guy. Good cousin, oh, I can't believe I didn't stay in touch with that guy. So that was super cool. So that's the manhole, anyway. Okay, so oh. so uh,
0: uh, uh, it's it's dissimilar to Mist in that it's you actually interact with things, and it's not a fucking drag. Am and right?
3: you're not and you're not completely alone, I guess, because there are people who actually acknowledge your existence and even speak to you.
0: Oh, okay, cool.
3: <laughs> I will go on the record, however, to say that I like Mist very much, and I probably own like five <laughs> copies of it in its various iterations.
0: Me you know, too. Um,
2: I'm, I'm, I'm going to back you up on this one. I, I'm actually a big Myst fan. I finally finished <laughs> the game a few years ago on the iPhone, even though it was buggy as hell. Um, but I like it for different reasons than most people. I think I like it for its really weird kind of stylistic and aesthetic choices for the visuals, and I think it's got a fantastic soundtrack.
3: Oh, I love the soundtrack. I listen to it all the time. And yeah. it's by Robin Miller, I think. When That's I, right, I, I, it is.
0: I will probably get you know completely corrected for this because uh, one of the things that uh, Fred and I are going to do for uh, Backseat Designer Season Two is a couple of uh, you know the Backseat Designer plays uh, series where we just you know it's kind of like a let's play but we uh, you know save and restore and jump all over and spoil things for everyone and one of the games uh, of course is going to be missed because I've oh never
1: actually
0: yes. ne- I, I can for it. Uh, I've never actually played Mist. To be perfectly honest, I've watched a lot of uh, you know screenshots and I've uh, watched a Let's Play of it. And uh, back in the day, I just went, "Okay, this looks like ass." <laughs> I, oh, I don't mean to
3: presuppose or anything, but you are gonna hate it, and I can't wait to watch you do so. Oh, Thank
0: you. good. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be fun. There's, there's going it's, to be it's beer It's going to be the least sure. interactive
2: adventure you've ever been on. <laughs> yes. All right, so
3: two other things worth mentioning. One I'll say really quickly is that after lauding it uh, extensively to my wife and calling it the best single-player RPG I have ever played in my life, I convinced her to get Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, and she is playing it. Oh, good choice. Love this game so much. It's the only uh, single-player RPG that I actually uh, cared enough to finish, and I think I even finished it twice. First time as evil, and the second time as good. Have you guys ever played this one?
0: I played it once on Acid. Oh really? <laughs> Wait, I want to hear
2: trolls first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: no, um, this is this is a, a long time ago. Uh, back in uh, university, um, I had borrowed an Xbox from someone, I think, uh, and it was hooked up to my TV. And I was home alone, and uh, I took acid, and uh, I decided to play Knights of the Old Republic for some fucking reason. And it lasted about <laughs> lasted about thirty minutes, and then I got distracted by the pretty colors, and uh, then I went for a walk. That's pretty much my experience with Knights of the Old Republic.
3: Okay, Chris, I'm sorry to preempt you, but this is kind of uncanny. Yeah. The...
0: <laughs> You've played it on acid, too?
3: Well, as a matter of fact, so I <laughs> was going over to some friend's house downtown in my naughtier days, and uh, uh, under one arm, I had an, a PlayStation and like 80 pirated games on uh, burned CDs. And Beautiful. under the other arm, I had uh, several tabs of acid. And so I went over to my, my friend's house, and uh, everybody seemed completely disinterested in this uh, PlayStation, but I was kind of glued to it for, I think, seven hours that somehow whizzed by, seemingly, in the span of 15 seconds. That so is amazing. So...
0: Those must have been huge tabs of acid if you, if you should carry it under an arm. Or were um, they in, like, a suitcase or something?
2: <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> Right. Uh, well, you guys just made by I I can't I can't follow that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sorry. great. My my experience with Knights of the Old Republic. This is actually quite funny. Um, this is one of my this is one of my last experiences of playing a game hardcore. So this is when it first came out. I don't remember what year that was. I want to say it was around 2001 2002. Um, came out for the Xbox first, I think, and um, I rushed out, I was working for the federal government at the time, and I rushed out on a Thursday night, what? I'll never forget this, I uh, rushed out, picked up a copy, went home, and started playing it, and it just sucked me in. I was I was playing for five or six hours, it was three o'clock in the morning, and um, I was like, I have to keep going with this. So, oh God, I can't believe I'm admitting this in public. I didn't eat supper I played until five or six in the morning, and I called into work and I kind of said, you know, oh, I uh, think uh, uh, I think I'm going to call in sick today, guys. Uh, uh, got a sore throat, and um, so I skipped Friday work. I played all day Friday. I finally, you know, left my apartment at you know 7 p.m. on a Friday night to go get Chinese food, bring it back, and then I played Monday, Sunday. And, or sorry, Saturday, Sunday, and then on Monday I called in sick because I wanted to see the end of the game. Yes. And I had a, had a four-day weekend out of, you know, a regular work week, so I could finish Knights of the Old Republic in one run, and it was beautiful. I staggered into work, you know, Half beard going, smelling like you know old dried up Chinese food stains all over my shirt, and <laughs>
1: my
2: my coworkers kind of looking at me and said, "Well, what the hell happened to you? Did you get like beat up or something?" I said, "No, no, 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 guys, I finished Knights of the Old Republic." <laughs> <laughs> so that was my that was a very intense experience. I love. I, I thought that game was fantastic. How's your wife's really enjoying it?
3: Well, she is not a, the kind of person who has a lot of patience for older games, uh, right. with with a few exceptions. So I'm delighted and surprised that she keeps coming back for more. So she's probably a couple of hours into it or so, which is about awesome. an hour and 45 minutes more than I gave her credit for. So I'm really thrilled. I'm having a lot of fun watching her play that stuff.
2: Chris, true So she Chris. managed to get down to the planet?
3: Yes, she's down on the planet now. Talos, I think is the name of it. Talos right. Something like that. Chris,
0: Chris, Chris, you, you should have <laughs> yeah. gone into work like a, like a government official. You should have gone into work full beards um, and just go, I finished Knight, Nights of the Old Republic on acid. <laughs> <laughs> if just, only he had a good influence to see like their uh, expressions. <laughs>
3: to see him
2: through. That would have that played well because um, no this, this is not something I should be admitting to. The only reason I even had an Xbox – Oh, this is this is terrible. I'm I, I apologize, taxpayers. This was this was a bad thing. And okay. I wouldn't do this. I was I was 20 years old at the time. I wouldn't do this again. Um, the only reason I had an Xbox was because my coworkers and I got uh, you know a 500 dollars or a thousand dollar training allowance from the government to spend on stuff. You know, training to become a better web administrator, training to become a better network engineer. And my oh, coworker found Jedi. out. Yeah, exactly. They found out that you could spend this money on a Cisco Systems training kit, and if you spent the $1,000 on the training kit, they'd send you a free Xbox. So (laughs) all of a sudden, all five of us were getting Cisco training, and our boss was like, wow, that's fantastic. We're going to be Cisco certified. And I said, yeah, I can't wait to get those CDs in the mail. (laughs) So I apologize. I'll, I'll refund the uh, uh, Canadian economy someday for that.
3: <laughs> good man, good man. All <laughs> right. Oh, oh, and uh, and uh, to uh, cap off my story, I just uh, remembered that on the way to my friend's house, we stopped at the grocery store and uh, requested a birthday cake from the bakery and had it inscribed "Happy Cracksgiving. Giving." <laughs> 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 that went over well, which which is <laughs> open
0: for interpretation. Um, I suppose
3: that's... so. Well, then no, I. I didn't have the heart to eat it though, because I like cut a slice, and uh, the pattern of the icing was kind of waving around like the Atlantic Ocean. So I'm like, "Oh uh, God, I'll, I'll just leave this over
0: here." I, w- I would just love <laughs> to hear the phrase wafting through the room, going, "Who wants a slice of crack? A uh, cake?" <laughs>
3: <laughs> Stranger things have occurred, no doubt.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> oh, boy.
3: So, <laughs> last thing I'm going to mention real briefly is oh, I guess before I do, have you guys ever played or heard of a game called Progress Quest? I have I've not. heard of it, but I haven't actually played that one. Oh, you trolls! I have not. Okay, so me, Progress Quest. This game is awesome. This is a game where you name your character. It's like an RPG game. You name your character. You pick your class. And you roll your stats a few times, and you press the go button, and that's as much as you ever do. It's just a series of progress bars while your character kind of quests for himself, uh, like killing monsters, <laughs> obtaining inventory items, going back to town and selling them, leveling up. It just plays itself at infinitum. That is so, the
2: most sarcastic game I've ever heard of. Wow. It's
3: hilarious. It's just hilarious. And it's all tongue-in-cheek. Like, one of the classes you can choose is Demi-Canadian. <laughs> this is one of them. You can be like sentient walrus and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. And then um eventually uh the guy who made progress quest, he like made an announcement. He's like stay tuned for progress quest 3D. And I have these <laughs> these visions in my head of oh man, it's going to be like this whole animated thing where you get to watch your character running around through the forest and slaying monsters and stuff. And so wow. then he releases progress quest 3D and he just added like a little bevel to the progress bars. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, oh, that's brilliant. beautiful. Uh, so it, I've been it, playing
0: a – what's that? Oh, it, it kind of reminds me of a game that – or a, a game in quotation marks that we had for the Commodore 64 when I was a kid. And oh. I've uh, just been trying to Google what the hell it was called and I can't remember. But it was basically just a dude walking around his house with his cats. Oh, yeah. You, you know that's, that? Oh, totally. You know, he, that's an amazing game.
2: Um, it's he, called um, his fridge Little, and play little his
0: Computer People. Little Computer People, that's the one. Oh, there I've you heard go. of
3: this. Is that kind of like a precursor to The Sims, sort of? Oh, totally. Just, so I'm
0: like, yeah,
2: I've you heard of this. You just watch
0: them walk around. <laughs> yeah, and you, you just you just sit there playing with your balls, looking at this uh, this dude playing his piano, go to sleep, feed his cat and shit. And what, what's the What's there really any interaction you could do? You could sort of oh, direct yeah, you him could. to shit, but not really.
2: You could, you, you could um, tell him. You could say, write me a letter, and he would sit down at his little typewriter and he'd write you like a kind of procedurally generated uh, letter. I think at least I think it was procedurally generated. All
0: right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And and uh, uh, eventually you got con- no no am I am I remembering this wrong you could actually write on his typewriter?
2: That's very possible. I I can't remember. I I didn't have a Commodore 64 so I kind of came to the game really late in life. Right.
0: There's there's there's, there's another game uh which was which was called School Life with a K, school uh, with a K. Oh. Uh, which was kind of uh, similar in that this it, it was this uh, you know uh, British schoolboy going to school and uh Trying to avoid getting beat up, and you'd have to send him to class. You, you could actually control them with a joystick, but uh, it right. was basically just watching this dude's life unfold. Uh, you know, going to class and then not going to class, going to the library. It was all like single screen, just like uh, little computer people. Cool. But, uh, was you that know, uh, as- also
2: Commodore 64?
0: Also Commodore 64, and the only thing, wow. you know, because I was a little kid, a single-digit age, the only thing I could ever figure out was getting late for class and then walking up to the uh, uh, blackboard and just type, fuck everyone. Uh, <laughs> so that was my... I never actually got anywhere in that game, obviously. <laughs> Not with that attitude.
2: At, and, uh, at, at a very young age, trolls learned the
0: word fuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the word school. <laughs> <laughs> Spelled incorrectly, too.
3: Yeah. Oh, so anyway, so Progress Quest has sort of become a genre of sorts. Now there's like a whole bunch of don't touch anything uh, sorts of games. So I've been playing one on my Android phone called Idle Battle. And it's really not a heck of a lot more complicated than what I mentioned, except that you can go through your inventory and choose which inventory items your character will... Equip and also you can level up skills that they were already using. Right. So it's kind wow. of a hands-off sort of a thing. It's it's very rewarding and it's using I think like fifteen percent of my battery at all times. But I don't care. It's so worth it. It's <laughs> very
0: rewarding. Right. These things yes. have been around forever. They're called screensavers.
3: Right. I know.
0: I know. They're like yeah, this is like of uh, cast exactly. away RPG. Castaway R P G. Fucking The fucking is very important.
3: That's um, right.
0: <laughs> As always, so waste the fucking money anyway. Uh, by the way, that that KIXX CD that I was talking about uh, earlier with the uh, Space Quest one on it, it actually mm-hmm. came with a copy of Johnny Castaway, and I put that in. Oh, I looked right. at it for about. Yeah, uh, actually, I had it running for like a month or something, and uh-huh. I, just, I, I was just sitting there looking. Does he ever get off the fucking island? No, he doesn't. That's... No, he doesn't. He
3: wouldn't be Johnny Castaway
0: if. He no, he him. wouldn't. Uh, apparently there's an easter egg in, in another sierra uh, game i think francisco gonzalez and the and, and I totally talked about this on their uh, last podcast on uh, sierra learning or whatever the hell that was uh, right. dis- uh, discovery yeah. series uh, johnny castaway makes a cameo appearance apparently he did get off the oh, yeah. island
3: that's right that's right they have him like walking past or something yeah about that? <laughs> so that's that's my story how about to you chris what have you been playing this week
2: Okay, really quick, because we're coming up on an hour. I've Ooh, been playing really? text adventures, actually. Um,
3: Shit.
2: Sure. Have text either of you had, had a chance to play any Infocom text adventures? Oh, yes. Yeah,
3: several. Mostly as oh, a kid, and, not, and now that I have less patience as a grown-up, I've played a few more,
2: but not for long.
0: Okay, cool. What about you, Trolls? Um, I've played... Um, uh, I, I was, I was uh, text, text adventures came out when I was still a little kid, so um, I, right. I only played like uh, the Hitchhiker's Guides of the Galaxy. But recently, oh nice! I um, uh, recently I got uh, uh, what the hell is that called? A computer novel construction set, which is an old oh. uh, DOS. Uh, I gotta try that. Uh, text adventure that. generator uh, for oh, you're for kidding me? I've never seen that like one, one before. Um, uh, which is which is fucking amazing, you know ANSI art and everything. Um, so I'm, uh, uh Dustin Staltic was going to do a game, a DOS game jam at, at one point. He still hasn't set a date, but, uh, right. we are going, we're, we're I'm, I'm probably going to do a text adventure for that thing. By the way, That's gentlemen, if you will excuse me. I'm, I'm taking the laptop for a walk and for a piss. So if you hear the sound of flushing, uh, don't be alarmed. <laughs> I can't make
3: that promise. Jules. <laughs>
0: I'm very sorry. This is my all of a
2: sudden the podcast up. got extremely uncomfortable.
0: Uh, got this is this is a, a square FM first. Uh-huh. No, it's not. <laughs> well, yeah. Coffee. This is so dignified. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm back. Um, actually, uh, 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 before we get into the, the spirit of things, uh, for the uh, DOS Nostalgic podcast that I did on Space Quest, I
1: yeah, took about yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I took maybe two or three bathroom breaks doing that thing, and it's all in the fucking show. <laughs> he did not give <laughs> a fuck. Really, I never even noticed it.
3: So uh, that was a slight interruption of your uh, regaling us of your Infocom adventures.
2: Oh space. yeah, right. So, Infocom, I've been playing Planetfall by Steve Maretsky. Um, Yes! Planetfall is just fantastic. Um, It's got everything I want. I'm
0: sorry. Uh, People call that the game that uh, Space Quest ripped off, which is totally not true, but uh, still. Oh, it's in
3: space, and that's all they have in common, right?
0: Yeah, I was just
2: going to say, they're not similar at all. I mean, Mm. Planetfall has a slight sense of humor to it, but it's a very, very different sense of humor than Space Quest, that's for sure. But you're Um, still a
0: janitor in space.
2: That's true, you are a janitor in space, um, and you you are kind of this somewhat pathetic person, but mm, yeah, that's probably where the similarities end. Um, Planetfall's wonderful. I won't go into that because I think everyone recognizes Planetfall for a wonderful game that it is. Um, it, I actually think it has much more um, in common with a game like Mist than anything else. Um, but the game that I'm more excited about is called Cutthroats, um, it is an Infocom text venture by Mike, Mike Berlin, and uh, he was one of the Infocom implementers back in those days. And I am blown away by this game. So the premise of Cutthroats is you are a um, treasure-seeking scuba diver who lives on this crappy, crappy, you know, one-horse town called um, uh, Hard Scrabble Island, and your job is to meet up with these other um, treasure-seekers in this bar come up with a plan to steal treasure from one of three or four sunken ships that are out in the harbor and go after it. Um, sounds really lame. Like it sounds like it's something out of like a, a Nancy Drew mystery or something, like The Legend of the Sunken Treasure. But um, what I love about this game is it pulls off real-time text adventuring so well. So just to give you an example, I, um, you wake up in your bed, and the first thing I do is I get up, and, of course, I want to pick up every inventory item in the room. So I spend two minutes picking up an inventory item. It says, you hear a knock at the door. So I walk over, open the door, and it says, there's a guy standing there. He says, hey, are you coming down to the bar, and are you going to meet us to talk about uh, something in secret? And you say, okay, sure. So I go to the bar. I end <laughs> up getting killed. What? that?
0: <laughs> oh, I said, I said, as you do. You I mean, a random stranger knocks on your door and you says, do. I'll show you something. Cool, cool. I will walk with this strange man.
2: <laughs> exactly. So I get killed, of course, because this is an info text adventure. You can get killed in the first five minutes of any of the games. And I go back to the bed, so I wake up out of bed, and this time I think, okay, I'm not going to pick up uh, all that shit. I'm just going to grab a couple of things. So I grab two or three things off the floor, and I walk up, open the door, and it says, um, the man has his knuckles raised towards the door as if he was about to knock. And I'm like, oh, cool. oh that's crazy. And he says oh, hey, I was just about to wake you up and see if you wanted to come meet us to talk about something in secret at the bar. And I thought, okay, that's kind of cool. So, I die again. Third time, I'm like, okay, I have to know. Third time, I jump up straight out of bed, I run to the door, I run down the stairs, and it says, you know, this guy is just walking into the building, he says, oh, hey, I was just about to go upstairs to wake you up. I'm like, oh my god, this is unbelievable. So, the whole game is built exactly like this. It's not quite run on timers, but it's similar to a timer-based system. I think it's more of a turn-based kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I am so impressed. The whole game is built around these really, really cool kind of interactive real-time moments, and I'm I'm super impressed by it.
0: Right. Uh, in, in, Infocom was uh, was uh, legendary for this for this shit. Really. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, Hitchhiker, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has uh, a number of uh, points where. Uh, 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 like in in the start when you wake up and the bulldozer is coming down that's uh, right. your, your your driveway and you have to lie down in front of it. Uh, actually, your story kind of reminds me of uh, Dark Seed. Uh, oh, any, I has haven't ever played, played, that played that one yet. Um, uh, the uh, the game that was infamously touted as an H R Giger uh, collaboration. You know the dude that's the right Alien Alien. Yeah, shit. yeah. Um, which also runs on a world timer. If you're not where you're supposed to be at a certain point in the game, you, you flat ah. out fucking lose. Um, it kind of does the same thing. Um, oh, although, cool. very much exasperatingly, is that even a word? Yeah. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> cool. It, it is now a word.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, am not well, from your cool. country.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Nobody's perfect. Don't worry. No. That, passes, that passes as perfect Canadian. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Cool. <laughs> you know, awesome.
0: People always tell me that I have an American accent, except Americans who tell me I have a Canadian accent. So, yeah, <laughs> kind of works out.
3: Yeah, that's how xenophobic and oblivious we all are. <laughs>
0: exactly.
3: Do you, guys, do you guys, by the way, own any Infocom games, like the original release ones in the box?
0: No. No. I wish oh, I also, did. Wish I did. I've, I
3: have a... one. Um, oh, I bought what do one you have? Called, it's called Wishbringer. Oh, um, nice. It's... I didn't get too far in it, as a, as is uh, my style with these Infocom games. But what I love right. about this, and presumably other Infocom games as well, is all of the pack-ins that come with you. Yeah. the feelies. The like, what's that? Yeah, the feelies. The feelies. They they, the feelies. they they call them feelies. Yeah. There you go. So I seem to remember uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide game coming with like a little towel or something like that. I hear.
2: Yeah. Right. And um, a bunch of shit. And, um, so and with the uh, micro micro microscopic fleet of ships in a ziploc bag.
3: <laughs> oh, awesome!
0: <laughs> and 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 Space Quest kind of picked up on this. Uh, they used uh, early Sierra games used to uh, kind of uh, take this uh, tradition uh, with it because uh, with the uh, first Space Quest game, you got like little coupons that's for right. Droids Be Us and the Rocket Bar. Exactly.
2: Uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Space Quest so, Three
0: had the 3D glasses.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, that's right. That's right. And the magazine. So, um, Wishbringer uh, is named after this like wish-granting rock that you find eventually in the game, and so, of course, the box comes with this little plastic glow-in-the-dark thing you can, like, charge with oh, cool. a light bulb, and it glows in the dark. Um, but what I really loved is that near the beginning of the game, a postman comes and knocks on your door, you know, as, as mail carriers do, and uh, gives you the, the letter uh, in your hand, and he says, here you go, but I'm instructed to tell you not to open it until... You hear otherwise, and so you play the game for a little while, and I forget, you come across a sign or something that says, open your letter and your name, or something like that. It's like this uncanny, weird, supernatural kind of an event. And so then you actually have to go into your Wishbringer game box, and there is a sealed envelope, and you have to open it, and there's this oh, scraggly cool. letter oh, inside of it is... with further instructions. It was a great uh, tie-in. And that really is cool. something, That's yeah, wonderful. It gives you something cohesive to play with in this otherwise very conceptual, texty game.
0: I was right. I was uh, I was um, involved with, and uh, I, I suppose this is kind of uh, I shouldn't really be saying this uh, <laughs> kind of thing, but I, I was involved with uh, you guys know uh, Augustin Cordes, uh, the dude that yes, yep. scratches and, uh, and stuff. Really, really cool, uh, cool guy. Um, uh, me and Fred of the Backseat Designers and Augustin, we were uh, brainstorming game ideas, and we were on the cusp of doing a game together. It it didn't actually materialize because then the dude went off and did his uh, Lovecraft uh, Kickstarter thing, which sadly did not happen. Um, right. The thing we were gonna do uh, was a game called The Agency, which uh, Fred and I are still hoping to get made. By the way, um, the uh, uh, point of it was that eventually, at some point, uh, the main character would realize that he was a character in a computer game, and then the game would start fucking with you. It would start.
3: Oh, is in- the name?
0: Uh, yeah. It, it, no. The, the The game. The, the game was not called "Fucking With You." It was called the Agency. That's um, what I meant. Uh, right. That would be the second title. It. 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 would start tweeting you while you were not playing the game. It would start emailing you. It would. Uh, you know. Uh, oh, the main wow. character would. Uh, and and and. We we had this idea that uh, right at the end of the game, you'd walk up to a computer and it would turn on your webcam, so you would fucking watch yourself and uh, and shit like that. Oh um, man,
3: is the real monster the big. <laughs> Yep, big finish. <laughs> that's very,
2: very cool.
0: Great. Still hoping to get that made, by the way.
2: Oh, looking forward to it. Fantastic. I'd love to see it. Okay, so shall we attack our main topic?
3: Yeah, that was the preamble of preambles, wasn't it? Oh, it we. Was, have a topic. It right. Apparently so. <laughs> so hey, our topic of the day is mod music and uh, other similar formats uh, in the tracker style of music. So um, this is the primary reason we have invited our very good friend Trolls to participate with us as well, as he is a fellow mud tracker, as am I. Um,
2: amazing.
3: Amazing. <laughs> and it's especially great because Trolls uh, is from Denmark and I am from Canada, and it's cool enough that this... Uh, pretty typically Scandinavian medium made its way all around the world. Um, it was nowhere near as popular in Canada and in North America as it was in Europe, and particularly in Scandinavia. Am I right about that, Charles?
0: I would not know, actually. You would uh, not know. I, I wouldn't know because uh, you guys are the BBS um, fantasts. Uh, you guys actually dialed up other people, went on BBSs, downloaded mods and shit, and I never touched that world. I always wished that, that I could but I was too young to do it and I couldn't figure out how but uh, a friend of mine a very good friend of mine uh, from from school uh, uh, Matthias Jakobsen if you're listening shout out to you dude um, I cool. was probably I, I must have been like 12 or 13 um, he uh, gave me a copy of Scream Tracker 2 um oh, nice. for, for using my 386 uh I only, ha- I only had a pc speaker and uh it only supported four channels uh and then i just started tracking uh and i had no idea what the hell i was doing i, I didn't even know tracking was a thing it was just a way for me to make music i, I wanted to make music so badly and i had no idea how because i couldn't play a fucking instrument to save my life um i just started tracking and then that sort of uh, you know it carried on uh, up until, you know, the early 2000s. That's,
3: That's really something. Did uh, Screen Cracker 2 actually produce sound with the PC speaker?
0: It did, and it sounded fucking atrocious, too.
3: <laughs> Was it like the digital wave kind of audio?
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Wow. Four, Four digital That's channels crazy. all pumping out of the PC speaker in, in the same way that Darth Vader's voice is soothing. I mean, it's crazy. Crazy. That must have grinded that living hell out of that CPU. Oh it did. Oh it did. And it grinded the hell out of my parents too cuz you couldn't you could there, there was no fucking volume control on the PC speaker. I know we've had this discussion before. Uh ours ours did not. Um uh, That's funny, uh, by, funny. My, my dad's an uh, electrical engineer, and uh, years later he would wire up my uh, Sound Blaster 16 to my uh, little Toshiba stereo so I could play my you know, mod drivers and, and games and stuff on, on my uh, little stereo. But I think he purposely did not include a volume control on our old 386 just to make sure I wasn't going to bed when I was supposed to and shit like
3: that. <laughs> oh, diabolical.
0: Brilliant. <laughs> It's really he, cool you know, to, have,
3: to have learned that you uh, discovered it in a bubble like that.
0: Uh, now that you mentioned diabolical, one little side note. Um, uh, Please, he he also you know put in a, uh, a timer on the power system in our house so wow. that around midnight everything would just shut the fuck down. <laughs> wow, <laughs> just to make us go to fucking sleep. I mean that, that that's how diabolically evil he was. <laughs>
3: is is your dad Doctor Brain?
0: No, he's 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 a, he's a really really cool guy. Uh, he uh, you know likes uh, uh, rock music and heavy metal music as uh, as I do. Uh, but he's is uh, as an electrical engineer, you know, I've i talked about the uh, phone system he wired up in our house. He built a FM um, transmitting device, I don't know what what the English word is, uh, but an, an an FM transmitter in our backyard right. which is a, a felony. Uh, That's got to be legal, yeah. <laughs> no, he 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 could have got like uh, uh, three years in prison. Uh, if one had noticed <laughs> wow. uh, it was it was wired up to his sound card. So one 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 uh, one morning after a land, you know, awesome. on, on Sunday he would pick me up, and uh, you know, uh, the Smashing Pumpkins would be blasting out of the uh, car speakers, and I would go, "Oh, cool! Uh, some radio station is playing the entire Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness album." And goes no, <laughs> huh? <laughs> it basically covered I, our entire. I love time.
2: that it viol- I love that it violates the law on several different levels. Not just, it's like, not only am I broadcasting illegally from my backyard, I'm broadcasting copyrighted music. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. It's awesome. pretty 20 thoroughly 20. illegal. That's Good 20 man.
0: 90.5 <laughs> FM in Holbeck, uh, Denmark. That was him.
3: Oh, that's too cool. I had a little toy <laughs> oh, like that it. where I could like transmit my voice across the hallway, and that was about it. <laughs> from phone yeah. to I was wishing that I had one of those when I had some really crappy neighbors who would play their music way too loud on the worst nights of the week. I was hoping I could like transmit my voice over there and just make the basiest sound possible to blow their speakers or something. <laughs> I, sh- I should have called your dad.
2: That's
3: <laughs> awesome. Oh, and just putting it out there, Dr. Brain liked uh, rock music too. So
2: Oh, cool. So, well, give that some so you haven't disproved that he's not
0: Dr. Brain. I understand.
3: Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh,
0: he, he, he he might be. Uh, the, the beer is kind of, you know, uh, not dissimilated. Uh, it's it's, it's kinda of grown into itself, but uh. yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, too so cool. Well I myself learned about uh modern music. Um from uh, my high school and elementary school friends one of them showed me one day the unreal demo by future crew from finland Oh, nice. and so for those who don't know a demo or a mega demo as they're also called um is kind of like a music video sort of a thing where it plays music that is uh synchronized in real time with uh visuals that are usually also rendered in real time um like effects uh, visual effects uh, rendering 3D drawings or writing text across the screen and applying visual effects to that or something. Um, and so the music is wonderful. It's uh, a very kind of a Scandinavian sound to it. I've uh, heard it referred to as Suomo Soundi which is uh, the sound of Finland um, as oh, one wow. of the characteristic uh, descriptors for what has been uh, been uh, dubbed demo music. Um, and so uh I was totally astounded by the things I was seeing, as always, as the big technology enthusiast and a lover of just the seeing, seeing technology in action and doing what it does. I totally fell in love with this thing, and I figured, oh, I can write music like this. I've been taking piano lessons for a few years. I know I could do this sort of a thing. So I, uh, on my 2400 bod modem, found some BBSs that had these mod files, and I was also kind of sweating it, thinking that this must be something illegal, too, because music is something you buy and not something that you obtain for free. Mm-hmm. But uh, that in itself was a very illuminating thing for me, and that kind of became a, a very formative uh, philosophy, in my mind, about the importance of open source and uh, freedom of culture and stuff like that. So, Oh, definitely, I, okay. Oh go was, ahead.
0: So, sorry, one, one, of the, one of the things that was so cool about the uh, mod community was that even though some people would say, "Don't steal my samples and shit, when you downloaded a mod file, you not only downloaded the music itself, but you could go in and save all the samples in it. and if people were cool, uh, you could you could they, they would just tell you, "Hey, please uh, save my samples, use it for something else." The birth of remix culture was in the fucking mod community. Um, sure. which Absolutely. was so, so cool. Um, my friend, I don't know how they, where, where the hell he got those because again, not a BBS guy, um, he got you know mod files from God knows where. Uh, Matthias again, um, and and we would just sit there and just you know uh, save all the samples and then we'd uh, you know load up our uh, load up a blank uh, mod file and just you know use these samples and and create new music in, in you know f- using these samples. It was so cool.
1: Hmm.
3: But why do we? Why don't we say here, then, I guess, uh, kind of the technology behind the mod format. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, please, go ahead. Okay, should I do it? All right. Yeah, go So, essentially, <laughs> a mod file is kind too, of a... An... I kind of did, didn't I? It's it's kind of an offshoot of like a a MIDI file, you might say, wherein the sounds that are played by your sound card are controlled basically by a little text file that just says, play this sound in this way for this long, at this volume with these effects. So it's a teeny tiny little file. What makes it different from a MIDI file is the fact that the sounds themselves are embedded within the file, whereas a MIDI file would tell your computer, whatever device you have uh, providing sounds, give these commands to it. Instead, it would command software with the samples that you had bundled within the file itself um so they were relatively compared to an mp3 you might say exponentially smaller maybe 10 times small like one-tenth the size or perhaps smaller than that because let's say if you have a drum line going throughout your uh song it might just be the sample of one kick drum and one cymbal and one snare Um, so instead of having to record the drum line going for six minutes or what have you. You just have these teeny tiny, usually low bit rate samples uh, embedded within the file that just trigger over and over, perhaps in different ways.
0: Yeah, and That's and, right, and, and... and and the cool the cool thing about Mont. Uh, uh mod style is that you have these uh samples that you can trigger in certain ways um you have like a, like like you said maybe a kick drum and then you can uh pitch it up or down uh because you kind of have like a keyboard on your uh, you know computer keyboard where you can play uh kind of like a, a chromatic uh, piano thing and it will uh, pitch the sample up and down as you because you know usually you'd have like a piano for instance um a thing that produces notes and you would have to tune that sample to uh, all the other samples. Um, you'll get to hear this with the uh, tune that I did for you. Cause I spent fucking ages tuning the fucking samples in that thing. Um, oh, man. <laughs> um, you would only have like a piano going ding and that sample would be pitched up or down depending on what key you needed to play it in. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a sequencer and uh, except that the uh, instruments that you're playing, is a sample of something and it's pitched up or down.
3: And that was actually a really important lesson for me when I started getting into DJing because an important part of DJing is having two songs overlap and you have to change the pitch of one song to match the tempo of the other song. So that let's say they're both 140 beats per minute or the first song is 140 beats per minute. The second one is 145. You have to pitch down the second song a little bit in order to uh, make it the same speed. But pitch and tempo are two different things where the pitch is like how high or low a sound is and the tempo is how fast it is.
0: And that must have been a fucking headache, because not only do you have to pitch it down uh, BPM-wise, but also make it fit in the same key. Um,
3: oh, that's, uh, that's a really tricky thing to do. Um,
0: we I, lost uh, Chris, to... by the way.
3: Oh, Chris. Chris
0: is, Chris is gone. Chris is no more. About that. Quite alright. Did the meteor hit or something?
2: Yeah, that was it, but I but I quickly solved the situation.
0: <laughs> right. So oh, you now have radiation poisoning, but everything's cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool.
2: That's good. <laughs> so all right. please continue as if that never
0: happened. Oh sure, sure. What Do the we... hell were we talking about anyway? Uh, I think we, we had
3: uh we left we had up, off of into there. DJs or something.
0: Right. Oh yeah, DJing. Um I never did that. <laughs> okay, good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I I I will say this about uh, uh, tracking. Um, I, I I can tell a story. Would you like to hear Please. a story? Oh, would I? I'd love to hear one. Um, because as as you say, uh, uh, tracking is kind of a Scandinavian thing, and I wish I'd known that back in the uh, uh, early to mid '90s when I was tracking. Or, or all the way up uh, through the 90s, um, me and my buddy Matthias uh, would uh, get together every weekend. He would bring his computer over. We'd have a, um, a null modem cable. You guys remember those, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Serial connect- line. Yeah, serial line connecting two uh, computers, and we'd play Doom, and my uh, kid brother would get his ass kicked in Doom. And uh, cool. every once in a while, we would, uh, you know, track music, and uh, we would just sit around with uh, headphones and, and just track. And uh, we had. Um, which somehow surmised that people were having these um, you know tracker groups that would release music discs um, and we were kind of interested in that, but we were we were very young so we had no idea how to get on BBS's or uh, actually release music. so we right. kind of formed kind of formed our own little music group consisting of the two of us <laughs> and That's cool. and did a bunch. We did a bunch of tracker uh, songs uh, in the vain hope that we would somehow, someday, learn how to get on BBSs and share this shit, uh, which we didn't. We did, however, get in contact with one or two people uh, from around uh, Denmark. One dude lived in Jutland, which is like the mainland. We live on Zealand, which is like a little island with the capital on it. Um, and he would send us mod files on a fucking floppy disk through snail mail. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah, and we w- we would like trade mod files back and forth, and it would take like two days for it to get there and stuff. Um, and That's we never awesome. got never got on it, it. It never got on the internet, sadly. And uh, owing to uh, some uh, tragic hard drive crash or something, or just my failure to keep good backups, I have lost every single one of those old, oh, old no. mod files. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, I know. I had them right up until uh, when I went to university, and then for some fucking reason. Um, I lost them. I thought I had them and I lost them. You know that feeling? Oh, that sucks! Mm-hmm. Just, just go into your father's FTP and because uh, my, my dad has an FTP, sure, he has like the family FTP where we keep all this <laughs> kind of shit. Uh, and I thought it was in there, but it's not. Oh,
3: that's a tragedy. That yeah, really sucks. I've, like... I've got a I've got a one that got away story too. Actually, I uh, was making music uh, for a buddy in high school whose final computer studies project was going to be that he was making a game. Um, originally his game was going to be called Council Combat which would be like a one-on-one fighting game right. but Council um, Combat oh, Council Combat but all he <laughs> could figure out how to do in the end was to make the characters walk left and right and jump straight in the air so he just so put he hats on fighting. everyone it was kind of yeah right so he just put little hats on everyone and he renamed his game Jumping Cowboys all he <laughs> was jump up and down that's a pretty creative uh, solution to have engineered I think I was going to say
2: he should have got a job at, for Sierra Marketing
3: yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I wrote three songs for this guy's game. Uh, two of them, uh, the first one I thought was okay, the second one I thought was better. First one was kind of a techno Mortal combat y kind of a song. And the second one I ripped samples from a Green Day album and I made kind of a... a oh, wow. A, a a pop-punk sort of a song, also in, (laughs) like, fighting music kind of a thing. And the third one, I was so proud of this third song where I had these, like, Amazonian flutes and conga drums and stuff, and it was kind of an African motif, and I got, like, 99% of the way through, and I don't know what happened, but I lost it. And I had this tune in my head, but I just couldn't put it together again the way that I had it in mind, and so...
0: Shit! A, a I, I basically
3: game. put a cowboy hat on my soundtrack and called it a day.
0: <laughs> a bunch Speaking of stories of just came me- to mind. Sorry, you 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 first. Yeah, Chris. go for it. Um, no, no, oh. you you first.
2: All right. Well, this is this is probably a change of topic. So I'll come back to it later. But my my experience of mod music actually came out of games themselves. I didn't I didn't actually know mod music even existed. Even though I was on all those BBSs, I didn't actually understand what mods were, um, and. I got to them through some pretty amazing games, which i hopefully we'll cover a little bit later, like um, Pinball Fantasies, Epic Pinball, um, yes. and the, the fighting game I was Ball. thinking of was One West Fall 2097. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. Also really, Command & Conquer. And I stole all the samples from
0: those two.
2: Com- also oh, Command & Conquer 2, huh?
0: Also Command & Conquer. Oh, Con- right. Command & Conquer used Mot music. Hmm.
2: I completely forgot about that. You're absolutely right. Yay, I won. Okay, so go back to your story. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, um, the uh, uh, the really, really cool thing about uh, uh, mod music for me as a little kid, because uh, I was very big into, <laughs> this is going to sound fucking ridiculous, um, uh, back in 1997 to 1998 I was an exchange student in the United States, that's where I got this stupid accent, um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I was very big into two bands, <laughs> The Prodigy and The Offspring, which is oh, kind classic. of kind of a, kind of an anomaly. and and also smashing puppet on the side, but hey um right on uh but anyway, I would listen to fat of the land and uh ignition relentlessly uh <laughs> and uh for some reason, I tried sort of combining the two my my parents mailed me my uh you know uh, uh, computer my my um, uh, cabinet computer over you know overseas uh, wow. uh to use yeah i I still don't know why um um, but uh, but anyway, uh, once once I got it, you know, I would sit up late and and, and track shit. And the cool thing about mod music was that these were samples. You were actually playing a sample instead of telling the sound card to play something, and then it would sound different on different uh, varieties of sound cards. Right, uh, this right. would sound this would sound exactly the same on any system that was powerful enough to play it. So it's I
3: you use the same software that you use.
0: Exactly. exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, side note, except if you're using fucking mod plug. Come on! Um, I love my plug. Anyway, <laughs> I do, I do too. It 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 just fucks with the IT format for some fucking reason. It's anyway, convenient. That's all it is. That is. Um, anyway, the point is, I uh, I immediately uh, saw myself because I was into in the, uh, the Prodigy, and I knew that they uh, sampled a bunch of uh, shit and uh, then buried the uh, different samples in the mix so to not get sued. There's a famous right. story about them uh, sampling a line from Star Wars and then burying it in the mix and under a bunch of filters to not get sued by Lucasfilm. Um, uh, so I would sample different kinds of shit going on around me. I would sample my CD drive ejecting. I would sample uh, at 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 one point a a girl that uh, was a friend of my host's sister fell asleep on my uh, uh on my bed and it was late at night and I was really annoyed and she was snoring. So I just picked up a microphone and sampled her snoring. Uh, <laughs> and Not all, all creepy at all. Oh, uh, <laughs> th- there were other people in the room. Come on. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and one time I actually sampled an opening riff from an Offspring song of, uh, of smash the album and built oh, no. uh, a very weird techno song around a guitar riff. Um, having to tune all the samples according to Offspring's tuning, of course. Um, the cool thing was that you could do that. You were actually a sampler. The, my, my favorite story – I, I know I'm going along with this. Uh, I, will, I will end it in a minute. My, my favorite story was once I got back to Denmark, uh, my dad being an electrical enge- engineer and shit, uh, he somehow found a way to um, hook my sound card up to his stereo uh, for recording input. So I could put on oh, wow. vinyl albums and sample shit off that. So I would put not on, possible. uh, uh, Paul McCartney albums and, uh, uh, sample the, uh, um, uh, this was not a vinyl thing. I, I, I sampled a guitar riff from the quake two soundtrack and, uh, and a bunch of shit, just a bunch of samples, just randomly picked off his vinyl shelf and whatever I had lying around those MP3s and just toss it into the mix and just go to town on it. And, you know the one thing about mod music is you're trying to keep the file size uh, size down because it's that's supposed right. to be shared over BBSs. It's supposed to uh, you know go under you know a megabyte or two megabytes or anything. I had you know mod files that were like six or seven megabytes.
3: it's <laughs> the ultimate sin.
0: Yeah, it yeah,
2: is. Yeah, I was the just gonna sin. say be, be very frowned upon in BBS culture. Mm.
0: It is. It is. But uh, but I wasn't sharing on a BBSs, so I could I could give right. less of a fuck. Yeah, that's freedom. That's awesome. Oh terrific i uh,
3: I had some experiences with sampling myself oh yeah first of all your your story reminds me of uh, a, a genre of like dub techno that was known as found sound where the idea oh. was that you would bring a microphone with you all over the place and record whatever <laughs> or to kind of tie it into the story that you told about your dad trolls. Um, some people would engineer these sort of microwave antennas with recording software that would allow them to tap into cell phone conversations oh, yeah. just in the air, and oh, they would that's... incorporate those into their music oh, as that's well. that's evil. That's evil. It is evil. <laughs> that that actually that genre of music kind of sets some sorts of precedents about whether the radio waves that travel through your house are in right. fact your property. Jesus right.
0: Christ, that's 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 not found sound. That's stalking sound. That's <laughs> well,
3: clock. hey, the sound the sound <laughs> enters your house, so I guess
0: that's no, crazy.
3: It,
2: it can be argued
3: one way or the other. And I think different Christ. countries rule differently on that. So
2: that wow. kind of reminded I me. I didn't of realize band. that there was like a whole sound movement or around that. That's cool.
3: Oh, totally. Well, have you guys ever heard of a band called Negative Land?
2: Uh, No, not
3: me. Oh, you guys need to check these guys out. They have been around since at least the 70s, I think the late 70s. And their gimmick is that they like to make songs either bolstered by or or including nothing but um, snippets of audio from movies and other songs and Ah. other sorts of uh, recordings. So they will, like... Back in those days they would literally take scissors to reels of tape and <laughs> rearrange them in different orders. The my favorite song of theirs is one where they take um Julie Andrews singing These Are a Few of My Favorite Things. Right. And they rearrange the lyrics so that it says all these horrible, ridiculous things. Like <laughs> oh, what was the line that I like? It was like uh girls with girls with blue ribbons tied up with noodles and stuff like that. <laughs> All this awesome stuff, just changing the the words that that occurred in like the next verse, oh. uh, but in that position, it's h- hilarious. so hilarious, dude. So br- they're really brilliant guys, and they're totally into freedom of sampling and stuff like that. So they're activists as well. Totally, oh, cool. totally recommend Native Land.
0: I am, I am sold, dude. Uh, also, uh, if if you don't know a, a Norwegian guy named Ugress, U uh, G R E S S, which means nice. weed and not weed as in pot smoking, but weed as in the thing that grows out of the ground that you want to get rid of in Norwegian. Okay. This dude is a master sampler, and he's... Uh, he's he's amazing and he's got like three or four different uh, side projects one where he does only uh, uh, sit style c64 music and his his main cool. thing Yugres, is just sampling and Sam and it's all these uh, old um, uh, 1950s 1940s movies samples uh, you know he, he, and he doesn't sample dialogue oh, he samples dialogue too but he, he mostly samples like orchestral hits and uh, you oh. know uh, s- uh, soundtrack hits and then he rearranges this into this uh, like uh, breakbeat-style, uh, uh, chill-out-style music. It's really, mm-hmm. really fantastic. You check, check that guy out. Oh,
2: awesome. I shall. We'll definitely put a link to him in the show notes. Uh, Ugris,
0: you oh, said? Ugris, yes. Cool. He's got an uh, amazing couple of albums. The, the dude. Uh, also, he's on Twitter, too. Uh, Super GMM, and he's very fond of Mustard. <laughs> for some inexplicable <laughs> reason. <laughs> anyway... I'm
3: just fine with my wife. Out of uh, curiosity... There's, there's,
2: sorry, you guys... He, uh, do you guys know, um, how did sampling work? Like, I know mods tended to use a sampling rate. You could adjust the sampling rate of the, qu- so, so the quality of the mod that was coming out was, you know, you could set it to 11 kilohertz or 22 kilohertz or 44. Um, when you guys were making music, did you kind of have a chosen sampling rate you'd always work with? You could. You could. You, yep. Oh, uh
3: it would, you would kind of have to go out of your way in order to do that. Me, I sort of picked up whatever samples I had lying around. I was lucky if I found a sample at any bit rate that incorporated the sort of sound I yeah. had in my head. Yeah, okay. uh, so I would uh, invariably have like 12 different sample rates of yeah. samples in me, one me, song. Wow.
0: Me, me, me too. I, w- I would just pick up any fucking sample I could because I, 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 I did not have instruments. I did not... Uh, I did not have right. the uh, capability to play instruments or sample anything of my own other than my CD drive ejecting and closing again and stuff like that uh or me stepping on the cat's tail and shit like that uh so I would uh I would have a number of different you know sample rates and the only thing that would differentiate a um, a high quality sample from a low quality sample was that if you hit um you know say um the D key um right and I and I mean D as in the chromatic piano the D It it would play either a lower pitch or a higher no uh, sorry a lower octave or a higher octave because the sample was higher quality so it would play a higher octave Um, Ah. that's the only difference so so uh, as Brian said I would have a a mod file which had you know some 44 kilohertz samples and some 22 kilohertz and some 64 kilohertz samples and uh, you really couldn't tell the difference honestly oh that's really wild.
3: That's what I would say too. You just really couldn't tell, even if you listened for it. You probably wouldn't notice, unless you had maybe like a sample of a person's voice saying a sentence or something. And exactly. That was particularly low quality. That would exactly. really be the only thing that you'd catch. It That's all hilarious. feels cohesive in your mind once you hear the finished product. I do uh, have you a guys part
2: just a- Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to say you guys just solved a, or answered an age-old problem I had because the mod, um, the mod playback tracker, mu- uh, tracker programs I used for DOS back in those days had a setting so you could change the output sampling rate and it would it it would suck cpu like unbelievable if you ran the thing at 44 kilohertz (laughs) and and i would and i would like let you know i would let this thing take over my whole computer just so i could hear something assuming that this was going to sound better at 44 instead of 11 that's hilarious
3: I think that you had the opportunity to downsample the overall output. There you go. Um, uh, in there order go. to save your yeah. CPU cycles. And sometimes a mod player would also have buffering of like a certain right. number of patterns or seconds or however it happened to do it or in terms of kilobytes of memory and that would also was,
2: alleviate the Was there a maximum the number disc. of was there a maximum number of tracks that you could compose with?
0: Oh my God! What a Good story! Question. What a story! Go for it! <laughs> Go for it! Charles. Um, I have something to say on this too. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, my my very brief story is that uh, Scream Tracker Two, which was my initiation into tracking, had four, four tracks. Okay. That's that's all you could do. And uh, through the PC speaker or a sound card, I had a PC speaker. Then you upgrade to uh, Scream Tracker Three, which had. Correct me if I'm wrong. Sixteen or thirty-two channels.
3: I was just trying to oh, remember wow. that, too. I think it was 32, but you could only see 16 at a time on the screen or which, something like which that. Which is
0: okay. You know, six, 16 to 32. Yeah. Oh, wait. No. Fast Tracker 2 had 16. Uh, Scream Tracker 3 had uh, had 32. That's the wow. uh, Okay. That, that, that was the That's one that um, they had. Change. <laughs> and then, and then, and, and, and I finally get to say this. Jeffrey Lim, you god-awful, funny, absolutely beautiful son of a bitch. Um... <laughs> He, he created Impulse Tracker. God, I love this guy, this, this dude because uh, Impulse Tracker was basically Scream Tracker 3 that didn't crash whenever you loaded the fucker up. Um, <laughs> it, it, it controlled the exact same way. Uh, all the keyboard shortcuts were the same, but you had, uh, was it 64 or 128 uh, channels you could use? And I think he upgraded it to 128 eventually when the sound hardware the caught up. Yeah, it was amazing. And it was it was functional because Scream Tracker 3 was sort of an abandoned project that the dude uh, from Future Crew, of, uh, Finland uh, group, uh, they, they'd done all the Scream Trackers up to then. There was one dude who did all the Scream Tracker uh, trackers. Uh, Scream Tracker 3 was a kind of an alpha thing. Uh, it, it, it was buggy wow. as hell. It, it it crashed on you uh, in in weird even even the fucking readme file went all right if you if you press certain key combinations don't be surprised if you if your computer completely shuts the fuck down oh yeah uh, so so impulse tracker was kind of a uh, let's fix this shit um, and and just build a, a better tracker. Using uh, Screen Tracker 3 as inspiration, and it's it's so beautiful. I've never touched another tracker that was this beautiful oh. before. And I stuck so with it. Was tracker. it compatible
2: with S3M files, or was it? Uh, did it have yes. its own format?
0: Yeah. It, 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 it did a few formats. It right? had its own In addition format. To its own? It had its own format, but it would load S2M, which was Screen Tracker 2, and it would load S3M. Right. No, I'm sorry, STM. It would load Scream well, yeah, Tracker two and S three M, which was Scream Tracker three and its own proprietary format, which was IT. And I think ah, it would also those load are IT a, files. Yeah, I think it, it did XM as well. It would also load XM files, uh, which was Fast Tracker format, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's incredible. So, mm-hmm. so, 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 in... so beautiful. Jeffrey Lim is a beautiful, beautiful Australian person. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, I'm curious about Scream Tracker two, which only had four channels. Did that have any uh, panning? Or was it locked in left-right, left-right?
0: You know, I am not sure, because I was on a fucking PC speaker.
3: Oh, that's right. So so I know that the original one for Amiga was called SoundTracker, and that also did four channels, yep. which was in line with what the Amiga sound chip was capable of. And its four channels were locked, I think it was left-right, right-left. Yes, so it's true. If you listen to old Amiga mods, then they're just hard-panned completely to the left and completely that's to the right. That's right, that was my experience, too. Which, yeah, the drums will all come out on the, your left ear, which, and the guitar will all be on your right ear, which, and it's kind of barfetational listening to something it's, with it's, headphones.
0: It's especially. kind of it's kind of like yeah. listening to uh, the old uh, you know Beatles records from the '60s, where you know all the instruments are on the left channel, all the vocals are on the right. Uh, but right. you're right, and also the Amiga. Uh, this this is kind of uh, kind of an interesting uh, hardware story. Where uh, us on the IBM PC, we were used to uh, MIDI, we're used to Adlib, we're used to uh, Sound Blaster and, and shit like that. Uh, the Amiga. Uh, the default mode for amiga was mod music the mod yeah, it had no frequency that's modulation right. no, did it no uh, uh, amigas were the birthplace of mod music everyone mm-hmm. started tracking on amiga and then you know scream tracker and uh, impulse tracker was kind of like the pc's way of getting into mod music every amiga game you've ever played plays mod music that's really crazy yeah, that's right.
3: That's right, so thank goodness for that. Well, I don't <laughs> even know if you call it a limitation, because it, uh, oh, it was a real step up
2: from it was
0: the norm. Awesome. In, in uh, the, what in I'm kind of uh, curious
2: about now is, I would love to go back and check out, like, um, my first adventure game, the first modern adventure game I ever played was Indiana Jones, and, um, oh, shit, um, blah, 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 the one that came out before Fate of Atlantis. Um,
3: uh, Last Crusade? Yeah, there you
2: go. Yeah, I played Last Crusade on my friend's Amiga when I was a kid, and I would love to know if it actually had like a somewhat mod-sounding uh, soundtrack to it, because it did have
0: music. It does. It does. Uh, be- uh, believe me, it does. Some dude actually cool. had to sit down and recreate the soundtrack in mod format. The same thing goes for uh, uh, Space Quest 3. I did this on the uh, Space Quest Historian podcast, where right. uh, uh, some dude would sit down, and-, and no one no one can tell me who the fuck did this. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Bob Siebenberg, the drummer from Supertramp, did the soundtrack for Space Quest 3, and some dude had to sit down and recreate the soundtrack that he did for the Amiga in mod format. And the only thing. Thing, the, the only thing I can find is uh, a, an, an MP3 of it, which is on the uh, spacequest.net archives uh, of right. the intro. And I, w- I would dearly wish for someone to go into Space Quest 3, the Amiga version, and somehow extract the mod files. I would love to get a peek at that that would be well, very that cool. wasn't
3: that wasn't even uh anything out of the ordinary for those days either because sound cards there were a whole bunch of different sound card manufacturers there was AdLib and Sound Blaster and uh I can't even name the other ones right now there right. were there must have been like eight or nine different yeah. ones Gra- oh, uh, yeah, Gravis UltraSound was one what the hell um, was so... Gravis anyway Oh I can talk about I'll talk about that in a sec, because I had one of I had two of those <laughs> um so because there was no standard because every different sound card manufacturer did their own thing, that meant that musicians for p c games would have to actually recompose the same music over and over and over and over again, and then you know you'd see in the installer which of these sound cards do you have the reasons it's asking you is because it has to know how to control this unique like no standards compliant whatsoever uh the
0: exactly. Exactly. Ken, Ken Allen has talked about this on the Space Quest historian podcast too. Uh,
3: I love hearing him talk about this stuff. He's me just too.
0: A, like, this a dude is of amazing. Knowledge. He he once. Uh, I'm I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, uh, he he once asked me, "Oh, dude, can you edit out when my chair squeaks?" And I go, "No. This is like this is like <laughs> Dad sitting down to tell you a story about the olden days, and I want to keep uh-huh. that in."
3: <laughs> what a pro. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Loved, uh, I loved hearing him
3: talk about the MT-32 as well and the teeny tiny little uh, micro wave files that were at the beginning of every uh, oh, frequency modulated oh, sound yeah. to make the instrument sound a little bit more realistic. That was
0: oh, yeah. and, and phenomenal. And here, here's here's a little thing. Um, um, the uh, Space Force 3 uh, uh, soundtrack for the Amiga that I mentioned it actually samples the MT-32. Like, we were talking about mod music basically oh. contains samples. What the dude did was just sit down and fucking sample the MT-32 and then build mod wow. music around that, or with That's that. That's crazy. Yeah.
3: I bet, I bet if Roland found that out, they would have sued the pants off of him. They were so protective <laughs> of their samples. They were, like yeah. Even, the, I, I, they probably I that. No, that. no, have no to...
0: wait, wait. Uh, Roland were, were in love with Sierra. They were basically joined at the hip. Mm. They were married to them. So I'm I'm pretty sure they had some sort of agreement going on. Could be, could be. Cool.
2: So you, we, you
0: we, said you, you, you were going to mention a... a story about the
3: Gus? Oh, sure, sure. So, yeah, I had two Gravis Ultrasound sound cards. And so Gravis Ultrasound, this was an American uh, uh, hardware manufacturer. The first Gravis product I had was a gamepad, a four-button gamepad. Me too. It was a four-button gamepad, I, I think, that ever there ever was for a PC. And you actually had to... It would it would control two. They were in the standard for joystick controls. Um, you had per per player uh, four different directions. I guess eight directions you might say, including the diagonals and right. two uh, two joystick buttons. And so this four button Gravis joystick. Uh, you could sort of borrow the two buttons from the other player for games that needed more than two
2: buttons. Which And it, was uh, like, and it looked like a perfect rip-off of a Super Nintendo controller, too.
0: Exactly.
3: Pretty much, yeah. minus the L and R buttons. So That's it was right. a very comfortable gamepad. I love this thing. It was so durable, and it lasted me forever. It also came with a, a Y splitter cable, which allowed me to plug <laughs> in two yep. into the same serial port, but then you can only have two buttons per player. So anyway, that was my first... Gra- no, as a matter of fact, that was my second Gravis piece of hardware. Before that, I had a Gravis flight stick, this really ugly oh, black I've and never thing seen with one of those. red buttons. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely put a picture of it into the show notes. It was just <laughs> a thing of beauty with these little sliders on the bottom that let you adjust the tension of each of the two axes. Oh, wow. It was a really quality piece of hardware. I, so I had the.
0: But I, yeah. I I remember the setup for Doom uh, especially, it asked if I had a Gravis and, and, and its software would vehemently recommend that you... Uh, Is is that even the word to use vehemently? Um, Sure. um, Would recommend that you have a Gravis ultrasound, but because apparently, uh, as much as the Roland MC thirty two were married to Sierra, Gravis were apparently married to ID or its software.
3: Uh, Ah, so I'm glad that you mentioned this because probably the most awesome game that I played with my Gravis ultrasound sound card was Doom. Wow. Um, The reason was, so number one, the graphics ultrasound, it was a pretty advanced piece of hardware, and it it was not long before the mod scene and the demo scene fell very much in love with this. I don't know if it's because the card had some sort of a processing unit on board that would allow the CPU to, uh, concentrate more on the visual effects sure. or what, but Must it be. had absolutely gorgeous sounds and a wonderful FM wavetable with really beautiful MIDI instruments. Um, and so something else that it had, which Doom capitalized on incredibly well, was an effect called stereo surround, which allowed oh, really? you to simulate, uh, surround sound with just two speakers. And That's amazing. Doom in particular, no doubt, uh, one of the engineering marvels of uh, of uh, our Lord and Savior, Mr. John Carmack, um, <laughs> he he programmed it so that sounds that were triggered by monsters were kind of posi- positionally represented in the stereo surround. So that if there was oh, a monster wow. that was like a hundred, like two hundred degrees from you, which was like behind you and a little bit to the left, right. you could, if your eyes were closed, you would know exactly where that monster was. That's fucking that amazing just utterly immersive and really, really terrifying. That is and, awesome. Uh, I I don't know if they did anything special or if it was just a happy coincidence that, uh, bo- uh, oh no, Bobby, Bobby name?
0: Bobby, Bobby, Prince. Bobby Prince. His right. soundtrack
3: sounded so good on the on the Gravis ultrasound, but it there, nothing sounded like it. It was just utterly phenomenal. I heard that he actually composed it, I think with the MT-32 or with the sound canvas probably, but it sounded just utterly phenomenal I, on the I Gravis ultrasound. To...
0: I, I thought for for a long time I thought that the Gravis Ultrasound was just like an a, a, AWE 32, uh, like a, a, a sound blaster AWE 32, right. Uh, which had uh, you know um, digital samples uh, for for the MIDI, uh, you know wave right. Table, right. Kind of onboard wave uh, synthesis. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did not know that it had these uh, incredible capabilities.
3: Oh, that it did. And I don't remember whether it had... I think it did have onboard memory as well that would allow you to install what's called a sound font, which is like alternative instruments for MIDI. Right. I can't remember whether that one did. I actually had not an A32, but something that was called a Sound Blaster 32. I don't really know what the difference is, but it was the longest ISA card I have ever seen. It was like a miracle (laughs) that it fit into my case. It was that long. And it had two... Uh, SIM slots, so those are like single inline memory module RAM slots on it. Right. So... It could support up to 4 megabytes of RAM. I couldn't afford 4 megabytes, so I got two 1 megabyte sticks of RAM and put those onto the physical card. So it's like a little motherboard sticking out of my motherboard, it looks That's like. <laughs> and that allowed me to put these relatively enormously high-quality sound fonts and have them loaded in the card's memory. That was a, And it was also fully compatible with the r 32 and with the Sound Blaster 16. So that was the ideal gaming card for me for quite some time. That was late Cool, uh, I, in the dust days. I
0: have I have a little uh, story to add to that, and it's kind of skipping ahead because I had a, a part two of my uh, uh, sampling story that I want to get into. Uh, but sure. uh, uh, the uh, story about you—you um, uh, you mentioned Roland Sound Canvas, and uh, I talked about this on the uh, um, Upper Memory Block uh, Hangout. Uh, I had a, a Roland Sound Canvas daughter board that fit into my Sound Blaster 16, and it it, it, oh, it, 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 looked, nice. it looked It looked—it looked like a fucking pop tart. Because uh, <laughs> you, basically, you basically just squeeze this uh, Roland Sound Canvas uh, daughterboard on top of your Sound Blaster 16, and it would play a uh, uh, Roland Sound Canvas uh, MIDI So,
3: so did the Sound Blaster 16 have like a little cable insert, or did it actually have a little?
0: No, it. How, it, how did you? It it attach it just had like uh, like four sockets on the end of it, and and you just. Plug it in like a like a okay. like a fucking pop tart. <laughs> it would and wow. and, and, and then and, and that's when I got into sequencing instead of just uh, mod tracking. And for a while there, uh, we're talking 2003, 2004. Um, I would combine, you know, I would do beats in Impulse Tracker, and then I would uh, play with my MIDI keyboard and using a, a MIDI sound sequencer. I would, uh, you know, play strings and uh, you know harps and shit uh, over the tracker beats. And then combine the two in, in... In Are you guys familiar with Cool Edits? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What a what a piece of magic that thing was. Um, but
3: That was like a precursor to Audacity, sort of, wasn't it? Yes, it was. The mas- mastering tool. Yes. Yeah. It,
0: it, they were eventually bought by Adobe, and uh, it was renamed... Uh, what the hell was it called? Um, it, was uh, that Gold Wave? No, nah, uh, Adobe bought it, else? and it was... Oh, Audition. It was called Audition. Audition right. Ah. Uh, anyway, I, I would, say, and this this was before you know you had multi-track uh, uh, capabilities uh, like Audacity has, and eventually Cool Edit uh, did have a multi-channel uh, mixing and such. But I would sit there with uh, Cool Edit 2000, I think, and uh, and just basically you know take a a, a four-minute wave file uh, that I had bounced from Impulse Tracker. And I would carefully, uh, you know, sync up uh, the BPM so that it would fit with the MIDI file I'd done on the sign, and then I would, uh, you know, uh, copy and paste the two WAV files on top of each other, and just, you know, cross my fingers and pray to God that this thing would sync up.
3: <laughs> That's fantastic. That's wow. a lot of work That's and needed. a lot of finger crossing, indeed.
0: I did I up. did a whole album of that because my uh, goal in wow. 2004 was to try and squeeze as much noise out of my computer as I could possibly do. Um, so uh, the Roland Sound Canvas had this uh, patch, uh, General MIDI patch called Distorted Guitar, which sounded nothing like it. It, it didn't sound like anything—the Offspring or Corn or anything—the uh, bands that I was into at that time. It, it sounded nothing like that. It was—it was—it was atrocious. But if you took the Distorted Guitar and put it through uh, Cool Edit's tube distortion, it made a whopping, fantastically noisy guitar sound. And, oh cool! Yeah, and and I, I would take beats that I'd done in Impulse Tracker, and then take a MIDI file of uh, the distorted guitar, paste those two on, onto each other, and then I would you know play strings and harps and anything I wanted a clean sound of, uh, make a MIDI file of that, and then paste that on top of the uh, already sandwiched uh, wave file, and uh, and I basically in 2004 I did a whole album of this shit, um, which is uh, so laborious.
3: Was, and that's a really smart way, I guess, of using the best features of the different media at your disposal. Because uh, guitars and strings were particularly difficult to, uh, even with uh, with sampled sounds, they were partic- particularly difficult to get just right with mods. Usually, the reason being that they didn't loop very well. You're, okay. you're, you're, oh, uh, yeah. your Oh yeah. Your sample would only be, let's say, like two seconds long or so, and so you would kind of two take the last
0: long time. Yeah.
3: It is. And yeah, and I mean that's your file size that you're eating away at. So especially if you want to transmit them on BBSs, you want to keep your file size down. And so you would kind of choose the last half second or so of your sample and you would define that as the loop area and you could either just loop it from front to back, front to back, front to back, okay. or you could do something called ping ponging, where it would play yeah. uh those last half seconds um forwards and then play it backwards and forwards. Really and you were capable of playing a sound sample backwards? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That's the, oh, least yeah. That the mod trackers could do ping pong. Wow. Their... Ping
0: pong was a, was a thing of fucking magic because uh, I, I had I had a bunch of different distorted guitar samples, and they would uh, you know inevitably loop terribly. And the trick was to get in there. You know, um, the values of the uh, sample were uh, displayed uh, in hexa hexadecimal uh, values, and so right. you would define you would define the in and out points in hexadecimal. And the trick was to just sit there laboriously and just type in different decibels and just go, all right, now it sounds like it's looping coherently. Because otherwise you would go, instead of it going, e-, it would go, kick, kick, kick. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> now, I seem to remember, I guess I must have used a third-party tool that would allow me to view the waveform visually on my monitor. And I could sort of look at the end of my sample to see whether the waveform was kind of like uh, going up or down. And then I would look back about half a second or so and also find find somewhere where the waveform was equally up or equally down. And then you wouldn't get that little tick ah, of this, distortion between the two. This is
0: another reason why I fucking love Impulse Tracker, because it had a visual uh, of the waveform. Uh, so so you, you could you could tell it, and it, you know, this little line would go back and forth on the waveform to show you where it was looping. This was fantastic. This was uh, it was an amazing way to uh, to, to to loop samples because uh, you you, 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 could, you, could, you can you sort of tell from the uh, uh from, from the waveform where it would be natural to loop because uh, the waveform goes down a bit and then goes up a bit and then goes down and you would sort of put the uh, ping pong loop in between uh you know uh, valleys I guess you would call them valleys of, yeah, of the waveform yeah you develop sense for what it looks like yeah right um actually uh guys I'm Going to take a bathroom break. Um, yeah, sure. We, can, we, we can keep talking, and you can just edit out the flushing sounds. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Mr. Allen. <laughs> <laughs> or, or whatever. Or you can keep it in. That would be fun. Um, I, I did. <laughs> I, be like. I did have a part two of my sampling story, but uh, you guys, uh, um, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. This is, this is me, you know, trying to squeeze as much noise out of my computer as possible.
2: That's amazing. I um, mm-hmm. My my experience was I I had an ad-lib sound card, which was actually not capable, it's, it's, unless somebody wants to correct me, I don't think was actually capable of producing sampled sounds.
0: It did not. Did uh, No, the, it wasn't
2: able
3: to. No. It only had a frequency modulation. Exactly. FM this
0: is only.
2: Yeah. And so I ended up missing out on a lot of the mod stuff until I finally got a sound blaster, which came with my forty six. And by that time, I think you know, mod music had been already really well developed. So, I yeah, like I think I mentioned earlier, my introduction to it was through uh, One Must Fall, twenty ninety seven. Jazz Jackrabbit had a badass mod soundtrack.
0: Yeah, um, oh, yeah. Epic Mega
3: yeah. Games had fantastic. Epic mod
0: Mega soundtrack. Games always used even Unreal used the mods. That's right.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, they had their own format. They called it UMX or something. Yeah. Also, uh, yeah. also I I, I will.
0: I, I will interject this. Um, um, the Adlib, because you know, mod music was basically a hacker format, or, or hackers were sitting around making the shit. So mm-hmm. uh, someone figured out how to how to play mod uh, music on a PC speaker, and someone figured out how to play mod music on an ad Adlib ad card. Are you I knew serious? It. I was going to ask you about Don't that. Don't ask me wow. how they fucking did it, but they did.
3: I'm That's sure the game amazing. Star Control 2, or maybe it was the first Star Control, allowed you to play the mod soundtrack on an ad-lib. I was sure of it. Yeah. I don't know how the hell they did it. That is some kind of engineering mastery.
0: It, it that is and that, that's all a testament to uh, mod music being... Uh, it, it came from the uh, Amiga uh, demo scene uh, or uh, whatever, and then it, it, it went on to the PC. And, and you know, hackers wrote this shit. Uh, you know, Future Crew were a, a hacker group, but they also did Scream Tracker and shit. Uh, so, so they basically... Uh, you know, ha- hackers would just sit down and make stuff that wasn't possible to show off to other hacker groups. You know, so for crazy. somehow somehow they made mod music work on an AdLib card. Don't ask- yeah.
3: Well, that was the essence of the demo scene in general, right? To take the supposed uh, limitations of your PC yeah, and that's to right. exceed so, them wildly.
0: Yeah, d-
2: exactly. because it reminds me. Um, one thing we haven't talked about yet is the uh, mod scene. Kind of, at least as far as so, many of the books I've read kind of was an offshoot of the cracktro scene um, and the demo scene. Right, yeah. You know, crack were famous for, you know, you know, before you launch your game, um, the Cracker would show this amazing kind of visual demo along with some music that would um, kind of demo the capabilities of that programming team and their art team and their music team. And one of the things I really remember in speaking on the uh, topic of, like, pushing a machine way past what it's capable of, um did you guys both have commodore sixty fours
3: I no. know, but a friend of mine did, and I was pretty familiar with it
2: Oh okay, cool. Do you remember how it has that locked blue border around the outside and you can never yes. paint anything or push sprites through the blue border? I remember the first time that mm. I saw um saw cracktros they had pushed shit like sprites into the uh unpaintable border, which blew my mind
0: <laughs> <laughs> i i you you're, i'm I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, one of the things that I was really impressed by as a kid watching, uh, you know, crack shows and intros and, 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 demo shit and stuff was when they did, uh, what I think was called border killing, which was when they would like have a scrolling text or they would, uh, you know, fill the screen entirely, yep. uh, which was it, it just so amazing to me. Like, Oh shit. Um, that was, that I was couldn't great. believe it.
2: Yeah. The, when I, when I saw that it was like getting back 25% of the screen that I never even knew I missed.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay so are you guys ready for my part two of sampling
2: yes please You we were born
3: ready
0: <laughs> <Go for it. laughs> um so i was i was talking about you know sampling my cv round drive opening and, and closing and the uh, sampling me stepping on the uh, cat's toes and, and shit like that um when i figured out that you could import just about anything into uh, impulse tracker that's when that's when shit really picked up uh because i figured out that uh, you know a a uh, you know a data file is basically just a, a string of uh, you know hexadecimal numbers. And right. when you import when you import a uh, a file into a music creation software it will try to read that as if it was an audio file.
3: Oh, you did that too. Huh? Yeah. Right, let's hear your story <laughs> and I'll tell mine. Yeah,
0: if you, if you guys ever tried to you know uh, uh, for the old Commodore 64 guys you ever tried putting a, uh, a cassette into a, a, a cassette deck and trying to play the Commodore 64 uh, program file. Oh, hell yeah. or yeah. Or, or a, a, a CD ROM game. Or you are trying putting that into a CD drive and then playing track number one? It would just be this horrible noise. Um, I
3: didn't do that more than once on the CD drive,
0: yeah. let me tell you. <laughs> and, 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 and by the way, if, if you guys, if, if, if anyone's listening to this and, and thinking, hey, hey I'll, I'll go dig out my old CD ROM collection, put it in my CD drive, don't! Don't please don't. It it will ruin Boy, your speakers. It's a terrible sound. It is. Uh-huh. But um, the same thing kind of happens if you import a JPEG file, for instance, into Impulse Tracker. It will make a horrifying noise. But uh, using Impulse Tracker, uh, you can you you can use uh, sample delays, uh, offsets, and uh, um, you know add a bunch of effects, which what, what you can do in a tracker. You know uh, pitch it up and down and shit like that. So you can make horrible noise rhythmic uh so yeah. i had a, i had a, a a song that i sent to brian uh yesterday uh where you know my configsys file i used as a hi hat and uh i had a bunch of j <laughs> a, a bunch of JPEG files that would just create this uh, ungodly noise at the end of a song uh which was basically just data noise um but i mm. you know trying trying to use uh, uh you know <laughs> Uh, uh, file formats that weren't meant to be played as sound as sound.
3: That Oh, that's beautiful. That was I had uh, no uh, idea they were capable of that. It had some ton- Yeah, I think pretty much it is the tracker software assumes that it's like a wave file even if it has a it, it was very often for often frequent for files that were traded by the mod trackers to have non-standard file extensions. They would call it like hat or something and it would be a wave file of a hi hat symbol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, and so it just makes the assumption.
0: And the tracker would not care. You could import everything. It, it would mm-hmm. not care, and it, you could you could like uh, scroll around your C drive and, and play, you know, text files, which would, which would usually just be a little doot, um, uh, to uh, you know, JPEG files, which would be a long like like noisy thing, um, which was which was so, awesome because you could you could sit in impulse tracker and then uh, using what we were talking about like ping pong and uh, looping shit and the, just you know make some ungodly noise but make it rhythmic. Like use that creatively. I thought that was such oh. fun.
3: So that's a lot that's a lot more uh, uh crafty than anything that I ever did to that effect. But I also I think every mod tracker must have come across the the idea of uh trying to play non music files <laughs> in a musical piece of software. So I I broke one of my golden rules. It has always been a pet peeve of mine in music when a song just kind of repeats the chorus at the end and then fades out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Screw you, you poser. It's as as if you're playing that song for another twenty five minutes and you're just doing us the favor by <laughs> fading it out after four. <laughs> I I am sure I'm sure Brian Adams is still singing the end of some song that faded out. Oh, it's true. It's it is it is the it is
0: the cop out rule of music composing. If a track fades out, that means the band is out of ideas.
3: Exactly, exactly. So I think I only do that in one song, but it wasn't good enough for me to, to do quite that. So I found a text file, and as you alluded to, Charles, I had to find a text file of sufficient length, and so I went and checked this a little while ago because it came to mind for whatever reason, that it happened to be like a... Uh, a manual file for some audio conversion tool that I must have had in a folder <laughs> at some point. So it was probably a good like four or five kilobyte text file. And I tried playing it and it basically sounds like uh, when you uh, pick up the phone and somebody is on the modem. Yeah, That's yeah, kind of exactly. what it sounds <laughs> yeah. like. So I wasn't as creative as you. What I did was I played that as a looping sample and I faded it in at the end of, the, my song where I was out of ideas and I faded the song down and then I faded uh, a couple of bars later then I faded the text file song sound down and I also did a thing where I pitched it up very slowly so that sound got higher and higher but uh, <laughs> I got really obsessed with this concept of playing non-musical files in a musical uh, piece of software and this one in particular I remembered uh, listening to the sound, kind of looping, and I would page through the text file at the same time and sort of get a feel for like how paragraph breaks or how big blocks of text with big a whole bunch of enter mm. like carriage returns or something separating them <laughs> how that would sound. So I, I found just the right text file for the job, and I'm sure it would have sound, sounded sounded 99.5 identical if I had chosen any other file. But oh, sure. I, I took great pride in that selection. <laughs> and
0: actually, you 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 do mention something quite important, which is that uh, uh, looping. Looping sounds uh, uh, or looping songs, right. actually, uh, the mod thing uh, has this thing where when once you reach the end of the song, it doesn't stop; it loops. And there's a whole art to um, making the song loop in um, uh, in, a, in a good way. For instance, uh, in, in many songs, you have like an intro, and then the beat kicks in, and then stuff happens. Uh, the song builds up, and then it goes down, and then it's supposed uh, in mod music, it's supposed to loop. And in in mod music, you could set a marker at the end of the last pattern, as it's called. Um, That's right. A, 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 a mod song is composed of of a, a number of different patterns, which is like a, like a, a piece of sheet music, and then you uh, order the patterns into this uh, uh, order. Um, you could tell the mod file to not just loop back to its beginning. Uh, like you have an order of 16 patterns, and it would loop back loop back to zero zero. But you could tell it to loop back to uh, pattern number seven, uh, and then right. and or, then create even
3: like position number twenty three on pattern
0: exactly. seven, as I recall, right? Exactly, and then it would it, then it would loop continuously, and the the that's, beauty that's of what mod, I mod think files made mod yeah, files so
2: perfectly ideal for games because they loop so well because you could you know reorder your loops on the fly. I love that. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Exactly. I was already familiar with this concept from uh, piano lessons. This is something known as a coda. Ah. There'll be a special symbol uh, somewhere in your song, and then there'll be a corresponding symbol earlier, and it just means go back like one time and repeat this section.
0: Exactly. And I'm very glad, Chris, that you mentioned games, because one thing that I found out, and I I told uh, Brian about this uh, a long time ago, is that AGS, you guys are familiar with uh, AGS, Adventure Game Studio. Oh, yeah. Um, Love that thing. (laughs) For a non-programmer like me, I fucking love that thing. Um, uh, AGS will play Tracker songs. Instead of media, instead of media files or MP3s, it it will will play tracker songs, and you can code into AGS to not only uh, play a tracker song, not only that it should play a tracker song from order, uh, you know, six to eight or something. You can tell it to turn uh, uh, channels on and off. Meaning, I did not know that meaning that you can actually do kind of the same thing that the uh, LucasArts did with iMuse which was basically, you know, uh, in Day of the Tentacle when you walk Bernard around the room, every time he walks the snare drum kicks in and when he stands still the snare drum falls out. You can do that with AGS. You can turn uh, channels, channel individual no channels idea AGS in a mod had phone. advanced support for it. On and off.
3: That's it, always what I hope to do and you would like write a and write a song that was like 30 channels and you would just toggle like four channels when you walk into one room and then That's you would fade awesome. those four channels out and start the next yeah. four channels when you go into the next room. So you have this kind of contiguous experience with yeah, like, the same song but played with different parts or different melodies Brian, and different instruments. dude,
0: dude, we, we, we have to we have to do a game at some point, Brian, where you compose the music and then it's just one big fucking nightmare to, to make all those channels fit, but we are going to do it. It's going to be fucking awesome.
3: Oh, I guarantee if I write the music, it'll be a big fucking nightmare. <laughs> I would love to do that, man. I would That's love to. awesome.
2: Yeah.
3: Oh, beautiful. All right. Well, we're getting a little long in the tooth here. Have yeah. we left anything unsaid? And I know we have. This has been a real dog's uh-huh. breakfast breakfast of zero organization and traipsing <laughs> to and fro throughout the years here. Beer-fueled
0: <laughs> rambling. Oh, uh, did anyone mention music discs? I think I did. Oh. oh.
3: You go ahead. No, I participated in a few of those, actually. But uh, you, you go ahead and mention it since you brought it All up. All right.
0: Um... Since I was not on BBSs and I did not get on the internet, blah, 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 blah. um, But I still, for some reason, had the concept of a music disc in the back of my mind. Now, music discs are basically like uh, a CD album, uh, except you distribute it on a floppy disc or you upload it to a BBS. It's basically like this composer has done seven or eight tracks and he's going to release it. Or the music group that he's a part of because, you know, like you have hacker groups and you have cracker groups, you have music groups. And I'm sure Brian was right. a, a part of a couple of those. Um, yes. Uh, you, would, you would release like, uh, like a mixtape of the artists on this, uh, uh, from this music group. And the music group was kind of like a label, like, uh, like a music label. Um, you would have like the different dudes doing a, a, a certain style of music and they would release music discs. And uh, uh, music discs were not just um, a collection of module tracks. Usually they would come if, if if you got them on a floppy disk, they would come as a big executable file with a little nice uh, you know cracker intro and uh, a little you know song selection thing that you could play. Like they would they would code in their own uh, music player and you could uh, sort of shuffle around that and, and or or just play it like a like a complete album. This was something That's I was awesome. very big into and 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 I was I was so I'm I'm still. I'm still super fucking jealous of you people going on PBS's because I desperately wanted to do a music disc. And I did a bunch of music discs back in the day, but I had no one to share them with. So, oh, man. Fuck.
3: Well, I luckily did get to share mine, and uh, I did participate in several mod release groups. I, the first one was one called Atomic, which later became a group called Mazurka. And then I, uh, that. I joined another one. Mazurka is M-A-Z-U-R-K-A, and it, people would uh, refer to it as MAZ for short, which somehow gained some kind of notoriety in the early days of the internet, and people would mistake Mazurka for the people responsible for the MAZ Sound Tools website, which is somebody else <laughs> entirely. I think they had on their website, if not still today, then for the longest time, we are not Mazurka, <laughs> or something okay, like that. Cool. Um I was in another group with a good buddy that uh, I uh, talked about in our last episode, a guy named Mike, who went by the name of Vicious. He founded the Variety Is the Spice of Life group, uh, VSL, and another one called DDT. Anyway, um, every now and then, we wouldn't release any songs on our own. We would always release as a group. And so we would work for usually a couple of months or maybe three months or so on one or two or maybe rarely three songs. And uh compiled we would send them into the the world headquarters bbs the whq uh, wherever that may be i mean it was always we would call it the world headquarters uh even though it was everybody from the same city nobody was willing to call long distance to some other some other uh bbs um the leader of the group, whoever it may be, would uh, compile them into a zip file along with maybe some ANSI arts and a text file, and in rare occasions would they include uh, a custom player because that would be contingent upon whether you had a coder in your group, which most groups didn't.
2: That's right. I was just going to say that one thing about BBS culture was that having a custom front end, like a custom music player or ANSI viewer, was considered to be like the top of the top in terms of being the most elite kind of release group. (laughs) That's right.
3: So I think Mazurka had one or two of those, but not until I forget it, whether I left or they kicked me out or whatever. <laughs> um, the, and I will mention, by the way, the very best music disc that I ever listened to was by a guy named Necros, also known as Andrew Sega, and he had one. Oh, Andrew progressions. Sega! He is just a genius. I am so in love with his chord progressions and his uh, melodies. He's a real whiz. He
2: he did. I would, I, if I remember correctly, all of the music for Crusader: No Remorse and No Regret. Yes. Yes, he did. He's done,
3: I think, like 20 games or so.
2: Wow, Um, holy crap. And sadly,
3: I learned that he has since gone on to uh, to, uh, participate in a few bands, and Ah. they have uh, lyrics, which is something that (laughs) is pretty rare, that I will enjoy a a band with any kind of vocals. And so I wasn't really (laughs) digging (laughs) the the vocals in his groups. That's a real shame. But his uh, modern music will live on forever in my heart. Oh, by the way,
0: uh, uh, Brian. You heard it here first, folks. Brian hates the
2: Beatles. I get it. (laughs)
3: <laughs> i i actually love the beatles <laughs> rare exceptions
0: but uh, uh brian in a in an early yeah. episode you mentioned uh, collaborating on mod music and that you were kind of a tyrant and uh, i can totally sympathize because uh okay, good. I, I i i love i love writing music with other people but i i, I can get to be kind of a tyrant i was in an the, in, the, in a industrial band um where uh, you know the dude would just have a jumpy program, and then he would sit me down, and I'd write some synth songs, and then he'd go in, and then he'd fuck with my synth sounds, and I would go, no, dude, it's supposed to be like that. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. um, back in the mod days, um, I, you know, I, I didn't have many friends that did mods. I basically just had this one guy, Matthias, uh, that I used to do mods with, and uh, the good thing about mod is that you, first of all, these are very, very small files, so you can you can copy these even with, uh, you know, floppy disks and shit. You can copy them onto another hard uh, drive and he can load up the file and he can start adding his stuff in. So collaborating becomes very easy because all the samples are contained within the ah, mod file. Yeah. Uh, so what I didn't actually write any tunes with Matthias, but he used to, you know, compose his stuff and he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't pan shit. He wouldn't stereoize, which is a word I just invented. Um, <laughs> he he, he, would, he wouldn't he wouldn't put all his samples in in stereo uh, or anything. He would basically just have a mono track. So I would. I really had to force myself to do that myself. I don't have a mind for that stuff. I love that stuff. i I'm I'm, I'm kind of OCD about that stuff. Uh, I love uh, having a very very wide stereo picture, but also. If there's any equilibrium uh, uh, mishap, you know, like something is way too much on the left or way too much on the right, I have to balance it and stuff like that. I'm very OCD about that. Um,
3: That's why I put everything in mono usually. Fuck mono. <laughs> Sorry. I know, fuck mono. It's horrible. That's a
0: cop <laughs> the out. Only, the only people who get away with mono is uh, fucking Pink Floyd, uh, uh, Piper at the Gates of Dawn album. That album is brilliant. And uh, Sergeant Pepper in mono. Those are the only two. Uh, oh, I didn't realize that was in mono. Didn't that have a Day in the Life? Yes, it did. Which was like yes, it did. And the uh, and that was like
3: a quadrophonic song or something too, wasn't
0: it? I, I don't know. The uh, stereo mix was done without the Beatles, and the mono mix ah. they were involved in also. Uh, Piper at the Gates of Dawn has a stereo mix which is fucking awful. Um, huh. Anyway, um, he would he would do these mono tracks, and then I would load them up when he was away, and I would stereoize them. Why am why am I why am I pronouncing it stereo wise like I'm fucking Elmer Fudd? Uh stereo rise.
3: <laughs> I uh in your defense I don't think there's a correct way to pronounce that word.
0: Oh. <laughs> I'm not even sure it's a word, but I stereo rise There you go.
3: Sure. Yeah, yeah. I uh, uh listened after uh talking about that collaboration that I did to uh one, my favorite one that I did with somebody else. Um, he was a guy named, uh, oh shoot, he was Paganus, I think was his name. And, uh, he did really soft kind of demo music styles. Um, that was kind of introspective, uh, easygoing, uh, just soothing <laughs> songs. And me, I did a lot of kind of techno and dancey sort of stuff. And he had asked me if he wanted to, uh, to do a collaboration because he and I were in the same group. I think that was for another group I forgot to mention called Aim Higher. Um, so, Good name. <laughs> I know. Well, and we did try We did try to aim higher with this one because I totally came out of my comfort zone and it was his first time collaborating, as I recall. So he did like melodies and strings and uh, 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 woodwinds. And then I wow. brought in some kind of a bass guitar and some light percussion. And I what think the song was like, yeah, I think this song was like half the tempo of any other song that I did. And I really, really wanted to... Uh, I, I had to stop myself from making overly intricate bass lines and stuff. I'm like, no, I'm going to use a quarter as many notes. I'm going to use, like, whole notes instead of quarter notes, just so that it doesn't feel more chaotic than it's supposed to. And that was such a positive experience for me to learn restraint and to understand, <laughs> like, to be respectful of source material and to understand that this was somebody else's vision that I'm contributing Ryan. to and I can't take it over. Ryan. So that was a real... Humble pie situation. No, no,
0: really. Uh, the uh, uh, restraint thing. When I was in the industrial band that I just mentioned, uh, it was me and another dude, and then we had, like, you know, I, I, I'm i hesitant to call them session players because they were really an integral part of it, but it was me and this other dude who was writing the the music. And he was very good at, at the vocals, so he sang on it, and I just programmed a lot of shit. And he was very good at production, too, so he programmed a lot of shit as well. Anyway, um, me and him writing music together was basically um, uh, he was very open to me just coming in and fucking around with his shit. Uh, you know, if, I, I would say to him, uh, you know, these four bars they would sound greater if, if it was this sample or uh, if if the chord progression went like this instead of that and, and and stuff like that. And I would mess around with his shit, and he would just sit there and nod and go, okay, that's cool. And then I would put shit in, uh, you know, write a new like a like a, a B or C thing. And then uh, once I was away, he would wait until I went away <laughs> and came back the next day, <laughs> and he went, how about this? And he just basically fucked all my shit over and, uh, and, and redone something. Um, and I was, dude, <laughs> and which, which, which is a total cop-out, because if someone lets you fuck with his shit, you should give him the courtesy back. And that's and right. I, and I did not realize that at the time. So, honest uh, Björn, whoever could listen, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, dude. Um, this is probably why the band broke up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the golden rule. Fucking be fucked.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> that'll that'll be the tagline for this episode.
0: <laughs> you guys should totally put that Sounds on the good. website, like uh, episode four. Fuck or be fucked. Oh, is it five? Okay, I think it. I think it's decided. <laughs>
2: Well, that sounds all like a good place to close things off, unless you guys got some kind of last words on mod music.
0: I'll probably end up thinking of a bunch of shit after we hang up, but uh, right now I can't think of one. I
2: don't know.
3: I guess all I'll leave off with is to say that I learned mod music pretty much the same way that I learned HTML, which was to go see something that I like and then view the source and then borrow pieces of it and then use that to influence other things that I can make myself and so open source is just such a wonderful thing that you can do for society to close source and to close copyrights and stuff like that like screw you be Thanks. be generous and proliferate culture God. and be a good digital citizen and open source I could agree not more. that's amazing. could not
0: agree more dude uh, uh, open source and remix culture remix culture started with a yes. fucking mod scene and uh, you know this stuff has to continue there are there, there should be no such thing as uh, uh, copywriting a bit of your song uh, it, it, yeah. it should be op- okay obviously you should be able to make money uh, uh, off uh, an original piece of work of course you should be but you should also be open to reinterpretation and remixing and all of this stuff people who are just like clutching their you know their their creations uh, to their chests and just going, "No, you can't touch this it's mine."
2: Fuck those people. Yeah. I, That's and, right. And well, I think C- Satan, we, bless
3: we... you, Trent Reznor, for being so cool about that stuff. Exactly. exactly. I
2: was just going to say the Creative Commons licenses we enjoy now, with some things, I think a lot of it can be owed back to, to that very open remix culture that came out well in advance of it being formalized into Creative Commons. Mm,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. Creative All Commons. All right, so...
2: With that being said, um, I guess I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this episode that we attempted to cut short, short of our two-hour <laughs> limit. Though I think we went just past it. Oh, you mean Oops. two,
0: uh, two twenty-three, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Yeah. 20. <laughs> I,
2: I love how when we first started to record these, we were like, "Yeah, we're going to keep it under an hour, forty-five minutes tops."
0: Oh, dude, dude. The loftiest of planets. We, we did the same thing with Backseat Designers. Fred and I were just like, okay, we're going to do a short 20 minutes episode. And I, I would tell my wife, okay, I'm going in the bedroom. I'm going to call up Fred, and we're going to be 20 minutes. I'm going to be back.
3: You started that yeah, way. Yeah,
0: and then 45 minutes later, I'm going to go out. Okay, I just got to release this shit. Uh, right. Sure, um, well,
3: it's a, it's a privilege to chat with such uh... – such accomplished and intelligent people, so it's great to chat with you guys, and I sure appreciate our listeners hanging in there for so long to listen to our blathering. Right, me, and,
0: and with uh, with uh, Chris, the intelligent pe- uh, person out of the way, um, I would just like to uh, uh, thank uh, the two of you for being uh, for, for making me be a part of this podcast and having me drink beer and smoke cigarettes on your show. Um, I thoroughly enjoy your show, and I, I listen to it with envy. Uh, because oh, all the stuff you, you guys are talking about are is stuff that I wish I was a part of, so when you guys were doing trackger music, I thought i it, it this, this, despite me not being a part of you know b b s culture and, and and all this stuff, I had some experience, and I thought I had to jump in and fucking ruin your show so thank me uh, thank me thank we're you so for glad you' did me do that.
3: Mm-hmm, so glad you did. Thank you very much for joining us. Is there anything, Trolls, that you'd like to uh, plug before we sign off? Uh,
0: shit. Uh, well, um, you know, the two guys from Andromeda are doing the Space Ventures thing. I, I, I think I might have mentioned that at Yay. some point. Uh, I'm a
2: very, very happy, happy uh, supporter of that Kickstarter still.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, me too. And I'm, I'm actually a writer's intern for that game, so I get to poke around the script and, uh, p- and beta test or, or alpha test or whatever you call it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and really also, cool. uh, if uh, Steven Alexander is listening to this, the dude from IQ Adventures or IQ Quest mm-hmm. or whatever, um, the, the, the guys who did uh, Quest for Infamy and uh, the Space Force 2 remake, um, me and him and uh, uh, Jess Morissette, uh, Decaf Jedi on Twitter um have this project plan called Bad Cop which is basically a police quest if you turn it around if you're not Oh doing good thing, that sounds you awesome. Are, yeah, you are the bad cop. You're a, a alcoholic <laughs> uh drunk uh, fuck of a of a police officer in a quiet sleepy California town um uh who is who is in bed with a local drug lord the first puzzle of the game is that you uh, drunk drive your police car and cause, cause a huge pileup, <laughs> and then you have to plan evidence to suggest that the uh, person that you just plowed into was actually the cause of the accident, and, and so forth. Oh.
2: Um, please, please tell me You're that one day months. you'll become the pimp of Sweet Cheeks Marie.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Please tell me that you'll be able to lose points for walking around your car before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that
0: is, oh, please! Oh, that is such a good suggestion. I'm so gonna use that. Oh, please do! I'm a huge fan of the Police Quest games. Oh, yeah. I would love yeah. to. I was, I was oh, actually. Oh, that sounds amazing. Jim Walls. I was talking to Jim Walls, who, by the way, is an intimidating man. <laughs> <laughs> really? He, he looks he looks like. Have you guys seen, like a dog, the Bounty Hunter? Yeah yeah, oh,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. He does fucking kind of. He doesn't know like anyway. Dude,
0: and, 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 I was, I was uh, you know, messaging on, on, on Facebook about the Blade Runner game because he co designed the Blade Runner game. I was asking him what uh, his involvement with that game was, and I was like, hello, sir. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> <laughs> like, the dude's fucking intimidating. Because uh, at, at one point, we were talking about on the uh, Sierra Chest Facebook page, we were talking about police mm. quests. And we were mentioning the exact same thing that you just mentioned, Brian. The, the walk around your car, uh, otherwise you die. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I, I was making this quip uh, about uh, I think some some dude was going on a holiday trip or a wedding or, or something, and I and I just quipped, uh, "Oh, did you did you walk around the car to check for flat tires?" And then Jim Walls comes in and goes, he better." <laughs> 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 I was like, oh sure, dude. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir.
2: <laughs> well, Jim Jim Walls, if you're like listening it. to this, I still still love Police Quest. All right, so <laughs> any other it. closing thoughts before we? Heat? Jim Walls comes and knocks on our door, and <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think I'm done. I think that probably brings this highly incriminating <laughs> episode of Square Waves <laughs> FM to a close. <laughs> My goodness, what have we said?
0: Uh, I don't know. We uh, took acid, and we did mock music, and uh, then Jim Wallace came and knocked on our doors.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's the Cole's nose. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Well, I'd love to thank everyone so, so much for listening, and we would really love to hear from you either um, in a voicemail or uh, through email or or also through Twitter. You are most welcome to get in touch with us, uh, first of all, on the web at squarefm.demodulated.com. You can reach us by email, squarefm at demodulated.com. On Twitter, we are at squarewavesfm. You can also find us on iTunes at some ungodly long URL of some sort. And finally, if uh, you haven't already—and I know that you all have—go uh, find a Telnet BBS client and check out our piddling tiny little Telnet BBS at Squarewaves.zap2.org. That's cool, it.
0: and you and you guys should get on the Stitcher Radio too. I mean, uh, people use that in their cars and shit, and it's free. Uh, so put put, oh, put the cool. shit on Stitcher. Put the oh,
3: I'm on it. You that sounds, it. that sounds great. All right, wicked. Well, and, so uh, I'm also, signing if, if, off. If,
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry. I, I was just going to plug myself. If anyone wants yeah, to plug, uh, follow, my, follow my shit around, I'm at Torben Frost on, uh, on Twitter. Don't ask me why. It's a long story. And uh, my buddy and I, uh, Frederick, are doing a podcast called The Backseat Designers, which you should check out at backseatdesigners.podbean.com or on Twitter at BS Designers, which is cool because it's basically bullshit designers. <laughs>
2: I That's highly recommend cool. both podcasts, I'm a huge, huge fan of both, and those were oh, uh, along, uh, along with um, the UMB cast, and a uh, very, very old podcast um, I used to listen to quite some time ago, um, uh, the name's slipping me right now, uh, Earl Evans' Retro Bits podcast are some of the major reasons I wanted to do this podcast with Brian, so thank you so much, Trolls. Oh, you're the, you,
3: you're so. the
2: wind beneath our wings, Trolls. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys are too sweet, you guys are too sweet. And and yeah, this is can, way too sweet. You can
2: find me on our next episode next week, which we haven't came up with a topic for yet, but it's going to be very easy because we have nothing but an overabundance of topics. So I will right. see you uh, next week. Uh,
0: yes, the next episode is going oh. to be about teenage masturbation. So,
2: Oh, boy. Starring trolls. Starring trolls. <laughs> <That's
3: it>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take it easy, y'all. Great to talk
2: to you. So Thank you. Bye sirs. now.